This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Tuesday morning. It's the 17th of February. Yes, you did hear right yesterday. We are doing Katie Hopkins for this weekend's In Conversation. Oh, yes. In fact, she really wants to do it. I really wanted to do it. So at the crack of dawn tomorrow, she's going to come in here, probably sort of covered up with a hood and things like that, so that nobody spots her and starts throwing things. And uh, we'll have a nice chat, which will go out this weekend for In Conversation. Uh, The NHS. In fact, there's a few NHS stories in the paper today. First of all, giving condoms to pupils aged 13, which actually isn't such a bad idea. They're having sex from about 11 nowadays. I know it seems horrendous. It's all different in our day. The 80-mile-an-hour storms to hit Britain. And uh, Anton Deck. They'd like to vote Labour. They're not sure about the PM. All of that and more between now and 6.30 this morning. And we take your texts and emails, 84850, uk. So, yesterday, very nice day. Managed to get home really early. Had a chat to Lenny on the trains. He works down at Waterloo Station. He's the man who cleans them. So the train comes in, he's got to rush in there. There are about three or four of them. Put all the papers in the back. It's amazing the rubbish people leave on trains. Seriously, I, I, we must be the filthiest nation under the sun. Dreadful. The rubbish, they just shove it under se- coffee cups. Have people heard of bins, or are they just complete ignoramuses? Anyway, he has to pick up all the stuff, and he's got a couple of uh, days on, and uh, then he's off for a few days going down to Broadstairs. Every time he says Broadstairs, it just smacks to me of an old-fashioned seaside resort. So anyway, so yesterday was a very nice day, and I didn't do very much. I went out to try and buy a few things, went on two buses, bit of a bit of an experience for me, and then I came back, and I've got these marks on my foot. And you know what it's like? I'm, I'm not a hypochondriac, I promise you. But I do sometimes go to the internet to check if, if something, you know, if I see a mark that I haven't seen before on my body, because I'm, I'm, I'm prone to looking at my body, I like to know where it's come from or what it is. I mean, everybody likes looking at my body. But this is on my foot. And when it first occurred, it happened a few weeks ago, and I thought I'd scratched my foot. And... And it's on my right, it's not on my left foot, it's only on my right foot. And so I go onto the internet and apparently your feet echo uh, what's going on in your body. I didn't know this. I mean, I get my feet checked regularly being a diabetic. And uh, you have to look the other way, cover, cover your eyes. And she touches with a little, it's like a little plastic thing to see if you've got feeling in your feet. And I've got feeling, there's no problem with that at all. In fact, it's, it's almost perfect. But these marks have come up and it looks as if they're little sort of wheel marks. Not wheels as in round wheels, but sort of as if the sort of lines across there. And I looked at them yesterday and I'd looked at them the day before and I've looked at them again and I seem to have got another one. Now, I don't know where they're coming from. I looked inside my shoes thinking it's almost like there's a piece of glass in your shoe and it's obviously rubbed across your foot and it's made these marks. And I'm looking at it thinking, I don't know, what the God in heaven's name is that? So today I'm going to have to go to the doctors and, uh, and just say, what is it? Because I put some cream on, thinking if I put some E45 or something like that on, it might sort of clear it up. But, of course, you know, as you, as you get a little bit older, and as I head now 41, I mean, come on, no spring chicken anymore, you like to check things that are going wrong with your body, and it seems almost on a daily basis that something goes wrong. Yesterday, I go to the chemist, because you remember, we'd got the cough back again. And they always say, if you've been coughing for more than three weeks, it's cancer. We're running the adverts on LBC. How suicidal am I? So uh, we got the cough back. And so yesterday I go to the chemist. I've been taking these uh, Benlin day and night tablets. And that seems to have cleared that up. Day before, a friend of mine gave me a Sudafed tablet. Sudafed dries you up. 
So I go to the chemist yesterday, and uh, and I go because they're always very good because they handle my prescription in goods as well. So I have to get sugar-free, non-drowsy cough medicine. And yesterday it was the tickly cough. And so I said, we got one particularly cough. She said, no, dry, dry cough. So uh, so this is it. So I, I bought the big bottle uh, and then I bought a nasal spray, which was a, a new one, which is sort of compressed gas. I don't know what it is. Anyway, there's seawater in it, if you please. So I'm very excited about that. And, uh, and I said, I'll have some Sudafed. And she said, oh, no, you can't have Sudafed. I, sa- I said, oh, why is that? She had your own blood pressure tablets. I said, oh, I didn't tell her I'd had a Sudafed tablet the day before and it kind of worked fairly quickly. So I shouldn't be having that. And so I had to buy some Strepsils, but sugar-free again. So that was that. Then I'm looking at my foot again and I'm thinking, well, I wonder what it is. And you know, you start worrying about it. But at the, the time, I, mean, I go onto the internet and I type in <laughs> strange marks on foot. And up comes all these photographs of people with really strange marks on their feet. People who've got spots, some get all sorts of odd things. Nothing that looked anything like my mine marks at all. So that's why I thought if I go to the to the doctors today and say what well, they might be able to help me. It might I mean, I don't know what it is. It could be some I don't know what it is actually. I've got no idea. I've had a few racy pacey ideas that have gone through my mind, but at the moment I'm none the wiser. I just keep looking at it thinking now it doesn't hurt or anything like that. It's just there. But they've definitely increased. I'm sure there's an extra one there that's popped up from somewhere. Anyway, uh, in a desperate attempt to... Uh, because Ant and Deck are back on the television, so there's going to be all sorts of stories about Ant and Deck in the papers. And there are today. There's uh, one that, uh, that they're saying here. They couldn't picture Ed Miliband as PM, but they do vote Labour. And, of course, they have their, their show coming up very shortly on the television. Then there's another story about Ant and Deck and Ollie Murs. They convinced him. Uh, he was being conned into being made to think that Madame Two Swords were going to do a, a statue of him. I don't know why. Nobody knows who he is. The people who queue up to Madame Two Swords are tourists. It's, no, it's not Londoners. I've been there, but it's not many of us. The majority of people are tourists, and they wouldn't have the faintest idea who poor little Ollie Murs is. So that's, that's why. That's why. Um, Richard Blackwood's making a TV comeback. I think he's going into EastEnders. They've got their live show coming up. Everybody's absolutely bricking it on that one. Because there will be some... I don't know why. These are actors. They're supposed to better remember lines. But, of course, if it's live, they go, oh, God, if you make a mistake here, millions are going to see you. And last time we did have it. We had a couple of well-known actors who were so cocky, they thought they could do it all, and they couldn't. And they couldn't. Um, who was the actor we were talking to? A short while, the actress we were talking to, uh, who went off to do something, and she suddenly realised she hadn't quite, quite learnt the part. <laughs> which I thought was good. Uh, Karen uh, Danzuk, yesterday, she made astonishing claims in the Sun newspaper that from the age of six, she had been abused by a person known to her family. And it had gone on for years, apparently in her bed. So quite clearly her parents must know exactly who this person is. And uh, she hadn't been to the police. Somebody had said, why have you not reported this? Um, because she's a bit, of a bit of an attention seeker, has been for ages. She's the one who takes selfies of herself and then posts them up there. And the one that claimed that Harriet Harman said that she was too pretty to be an MP, and Harriet Harman said, inconceivable, I would ever say that. And we've said before that Karen is not an attractive person. She's just an attention seeker. And so here is her five seconds of fame. But when she talked about the abuser and the fact that she wasn't going to the police, I'm afraid I kind of lost it, thinking, this man who abuses a six-year-old, quite clearly was abusing other six-year-olds at the same time, and he's still out there? I mean, I wanted to go around and shake her by the shoulders and go, you get yourself down to that police station and you get this man arrested. 
If you're making these allegations, don't just come up with some some cock and bull story about you were abused and say, I'm not going to go to the police. I want to put it past, you know, behind me. That's not the answer, I'm afraid. That is not. That's why Rolf Harris is in prison. That's why all these people have gone to prison. And you're one abusing you from the age of six. I want to see him strung up. If the story's true. So yesterday, she did go to the police with the name of this paedophile who abused her for years from the age of six years old. They say it's a brave move. Nothing brave about it, I'm afraid. Nothing brave about it. That's your duty. Not just for you, but for all the other people who might be still being abused. He might be an 80-year-old. I don't know. I've got no idea how old he is. But he's a family friend. A family friend. But I've now had enough. I think we've seen the attention-seeking. We've had, you know, we've had the selfie pictures. We've had this. You've done the good thing. You've been to the police. End of story. OK? Unless you're going to sort of come up with some more stuff that we're not aware of. Wait a minute. There's not another bit tomorrow, is there, please, God? I can't believe there is another bit. No. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that's about uh, that's about it. Now, of course, she's giving her verdict on on various leaders, uh, which, of course, nobody's particularly interested in. But I'm glad you've been to the police. That was all we wanted yesterday. I didn't care about anything else. It's like uh, Prince Andrew. I couldn't care less what you do outside of your marriage, inside of your marriage, when you're jumping out on an island with some third-rate old tarts. I don't, I'm not really interested. I'm just interested in the big question, how do you know the girl who's making the accusations against you? Simple, straightforward question. You know, and the, the arrogance that comes out of Prince Andrew, but he's always been a bit like that, hasn't he? You remember Koo Stark telling us the other day, when they first met, he said, I go through the door first, I'm a prince. And she said, no, I go through the door first because I'm the prince's girlfriend. You know, that gives you the rough level that we were at with Prince Andrew. But so far, he's remained a bit stum on how he knows this girl, pictured with Giselle uh, Maxwell and obviously one other person in a house somewhere. So we need to know where the picture was taken. Who is she? Why have you got your arm around a very young girl's waist? That's what we want to know. And don't think that by keeping quiet about it. I mean, she's got papers lodged in a court in America. Now, either she's completely deranged and off her trolley, we know she's bringing a book out, or failing that, there's got to be some sort of... We know you know this man that she was claiming pimped her around the world. We know you know him because you've been pictured with him. So how do you know her? That's the big question, isn't it? I did laugh this morning. Uh, sorry, yesterday morning. I laughed at this morning because uh, it was Christine Bleakley. Oh, yeah. There she is. You know, sits there with that big grin on her face. Can't present for toffee. But uh, she says, uh, I've had fat balls all over the garden. I'm completely obsessed with them. Indeed, she's still planning on marrying him. It's quarter past four. A. Morning, everybody. 18 minutes past four. Look at that. I've never given you a time check at 18 minutes past four. I never normally tell you. I don't normally tell you till it comes up to half past, and even then I'm hard pushed to tell you it's 4.30. So to tell you it's 18 minutes past four seems utterly ludicrous. I wonder what these marks are. It's very odd, isn't it? The more I keep looking at the more I keep thinking, do you think I'm allergic to some sort of tablet? But then I, the tablets I've been on, somebody said, you know, do you think you might be allergic to something? Um, I don't think so, because I've been on the, the medication I'm on, I've been on for ages. Nothing's changed with it, so I don't know. And also, why would it manifest itself in marks on your feet? It's an odd one, isn't it? It is seriously as if I've sort of either scratched it. But, but then the more I look at it, the more I think it's, it's not really scratched. Because if it was a scratch, then it would sort of bled. Then it would get into a sort of blister thing. And then you just pick it up and then it's all gone. But this has been, it's been here for a little while now. Anyway, well, I'm sure we'll check it out later on. I'll let you know tomorrow. Uh, Dell says, uh, talking about doctors, I went to the chiropractor yesterday for treatment for backache. After the treatment, I felt fantastic. Today, I can't move. Yes, Pete Murray was very good at doing uh, bad backs. Very good at doing bad backs. He used to put it, sort of hold your shoulders, put his knee into your back, and you could hear it click. <laughs> it was very good. Uh, 84850. Jenny says, uh, top of the morning, Steve. 
You'll have to do Katie Price next for In Conversation. It's only fair. Uh, I don't think so. I, you know, I mean, 20 minutes of that boring voice going on and on and on and on about a dreary, drippy plank of a husband, about her blooming kids. Oh, the good news is... Oh, the good news is... Wait a minute, where did I see it? I saw it somewhere in the paper, somewhere in the paper. It was a little... Was it a little tiny piece in one of them? A little tiny piece put to one side... I must have I must have marked it down. In fact, I'm pretty certain I did. And it's uh, Dan Osborne. You remember little little Dan from uh, from the Only Wears Essex and his little girlfriend, who's in who's in EastEnders. Anyway, she's given birth to a baby, which is lovely. That that's his second. You remember the the scenario with Dan Osborne? He gets them pregnant, and then he generally ditches them. So in fact, the last one. He, uh, he goes out with this girl, gets her pregnant, which means that the stupid man's not using contraception. <laughs> bit thick, bit thick. He doesn't appear to have a job either, you know, just little bits and pieces. But to be honest with you, if he makes a living over the next few years, I suppose we'll have to put up the, uh, the money to look after the kids. So he's got the first one, then he finishes with a girlfriend. Now he's got the second one with an actress. And, uh, and I'm beginning to think, you know, <laughs> perhaps, she, perhaps she's dumb too. I don't know. Why do people get themselves pregnant nowadays? Is it just to get the council house? Can't be for any other reason, can it? Why would you just want to have another kid? You know, it's like uh, it's like you know the Kerry Coke toners of this world. They have loads and loads of children. I saw a couple the other day. Five children they had. Five children, and he was wearing tracksuit bottoms and a tracky top, and she was dressed roughly the same. So I'm assuming we're paying for them as well. But it'd be nice to think that Dan Osborne actually had a job that might survive him. You know, into his sort of twenty second year or something like that. Because at the moment I'm kind of worried that you know he gets a few little modelling jobs, but. Pfft, not going to be making much on that, are you? If Ant and Decker are only paying 200 quid for their new show for little vignettes from people... You remember we had one that uh, said it was Eric Bristow, said he was offered 200 quid to go on the show. He said, pfft, stick it. <laughs> Quite clearly, Ollie Mur- Ollie Murs didn't because he was sort of set up. And then that person that nobody knows of, Laura Whitmore, has quit MTV after seven years. Imagine being somewhere for seven years and not making any impact. Every time we see her on the day, go, it's Laura Whitmore. I go, I've never even... Who is she? Apparently, she's been on it for seven years, and she also fronts, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Does she? Must be the bits I'm not watching, actually. She says, due to some upcoming projects, I can no longer commit. Lovely. Apparently, she's done loads of things. She also pushes herself around a bit. That's why people keep saying, who is she? And the answer is, she's nobody. She's nobody. She's She's a bit of a trier. So Somebody said to me a short while ago, they said, so, I think it's in the book. And it's, how do you become a celebrity? I said, well, you don't get to be a celebrity by being nice. Nobody wants nice celebrities. That's just stupid. You've got to have an edge. So in other words, you've got to be either thick, like Jade Goody or Joey Essex or people like that. And, uh, and you've got to, you know, they really have to be genuinely thick. Or failing that, you've got to be controversial if you want to be famous. So Katie Hopkins will write something down that is so, so ludicrous and so insulting to so many people that people then talk about it, and that's what you want. You want people talking about you. So good to ha- having somebody say, oh, you know, Steve Allen, he's a really nice person. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I am, really, but, you know, that's part of the act. And even my boss says to me, he said, I understand the act. The act? I said to him. I floored him straight away. <laughs> Not having any of that kind of malarkey going on. So you've got to have an edge. So good being a nice person. Because nice people don't get anywhere. So the, the people, generally speaking, that go on the television programmes are sort of uh, 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 the, uh, sort of the dumb ones. But you've got to have a belief. It's no good just, you know, being fat like Gemma Collins. 
It's no good being sort of useless like any of the people on The Only Way is Essex or the Made in Chelsea people. You know, you have to be able to do something. Unfortunately, in, in Essex, they can't do anything at all. They have no other talent. Gemma is just stuffing as much food into a gob and complaining about life and breaking down. The one who survived, how many days was it in the jungle? Well, she never actually went in. Did she really? She just sat most of the time and I can't <laughs> You think, I wanted to make her suffer. I seriously wanted to make her suffer. I wanted to put her on a bungee rope and just leave her there for the week. That would be the thing I wanted to do. Oh, anyway, apart from that, where are we? Tuesday. Right, Tuesday. Uh, there's also the, the wife-beating vicar. Found him in the... The shame of it, they've said. Shame of it? Shame of it. That's what they say, is it? A wife-beating vicar. They said, not only will he probably lose his job, he'll lose the house as well. And I thought, good. Good. Perhaps he'll lose everything. Oh, and the, and the Chinese, how they see our sites. They don't use the names that, that we use for our sites. They, they have much nicer names. Much nicer names. We'll come round to those a little bit uh, later on. There's also a picture of Gwyneth Paltrow. And... Um, we think she might have re- recoupled with Chris Martin, but to be honest with you, I couldn't give a stuff either way. I'm not particularly bothered by uh, by people like that. You know, it's very nice if you want to get back together. If you don't want to get back together, don't get back together, and that's about it. Uh, Louis Jordan has died aged 93. You'll know him, of course, uh, from Octopussy. And uh, before that, he's played opposite Shirley MacLaine, Grace Kelly, 93. Though. What a fantastic innings. What a fantastic innings. Uh, the Frenchman once complained, any actor who comes here with an accent is put in roles as a lover. I don't want to be perpetually uh, cooing in a lady's ear. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. Uh, pancake Day today, which is lovely, isn't it? We love Pancake Day. Uh, being Tuesday, Shrove Tuesday, it's when you shove everything in it. And, uh, and about you eat it. And I was right yesterday that it was the Tennessee Pancake House who pioneered cherries in the middle, like a sort of a compote with cream on the pancake. And that sounds quite nice. I shall be traditional later. Uh, and it'll just be pancakes. I haven't made them. I've bought them. I'm cheating. Uh, and it will be pancakes just with lemon juice. And that's I know it sounds a bit dull, but to be honest, I think lemon juice is quite good. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. I'm very much looking forward to it. Richard Blackwood's TV comeback. I had no career, no money, wanted to end it all. I cried in the car when I got the EastEnders role. He, of course, has been in Shrek. Uh, he was declared bankrupt, don't they all? They all go to bankruptcy. Have you noticed that? It's the easy thing nowadays. Oh, about you've been bankrupt? Yeah, bankrupt. What the hell? It was lovely. I was watching Loose Women the other day, momentarily, because I could watch it. Because Colleen Nolan wasn't on and Janet Street Porter. And you know when they're on, it is like the meeting of the, of the voices from the dark side. And, uh, and they had Catherine Jenkins on, who is stunningly attractive. I mean, stunningly attractive. You know, she looks good on television. You want to see her in real life. You know, she really has got the flawless skin, the teeth. It's all, you know, it's all there. It's all there. She's, she's absolutely wonderful. She really, she's gorgeous. And she sings. Even more sickening. But now she's married. And uh, she was on there, and it was Ruth Langsford, which is OK. Don't have a problem with Ruth. And the other side was Gloria Honeyford, and I've known Glow for a long, long time. And then uh, it, was, uh, it was Jane, Jane from, uh, from The Sun, uh, who has her column there, and whose surname has now totally escaped me. But anyway, anyway, they're all there, and they bring on Catherine Jane. But then sitting next to Catherine is, I don't know who she was. She's obviously a black singer, but she had the funniest hairstyle. In fact, the hair was covering one eye completely. And I didn't know who she was. And I sat there because they were, I knew she was a singer because they said when people go out on tour. And Ruth Langsford said, this was the oddest thing. She said uh, to Catherine Jenkins, I was going to ask you, when you go on tour, she said, what's the one item you take with you? Um, she said, because when I go on tour, she said, I, this is Ruth Langsford. When I go on tour, she said, I take an extension lead. 
Because invariably the hair dries over there and the mirror's over there, so she takes it. And I kept thinking, go on a tour of what? What tour would Ruth Langsford be doing? I couldn't work that one out at all. I wasn't sure if she'd got confused by going on holiday. But anyway, and, uh, you know, some people take tea bags. Some people, you know, they take things that, you know, you want to take to remind you of home. But all the theatres I've ever played, when we did the uh, the one-man shows or the two-man shows, or sometimes three-man shows, um, every, everything was all there. Hair dryers, mirrors, everything. You just take, you know, your, your sort of little bit of colouring to make yourself look a bit more healthy and stuff like that. And that's about it. Shoe polish you didn't need to take because you just sort of wiped them under a tap. And um, for patent shoes, that is, not for normal shoes. No good putting suede shoes under the tap, is it really? And uh, it was interesting, but I, I, I did watch the programme, only for a little bit, just to watch the the interview with them and then sort of left it at that. Jane Moore. I'm so sorry, Jane. It's, it's one of my senior moments. Um, the, uh, the other story is the cycling king, Lance Armstrong. For his lies, they've charged him six million quid. It's about ten million dollars. So that's good, isn't it? Oh, and the attention-seeking woman. Do you remember the, uh, the woman who was in the papers? She was in the papers ages ago. And uh, the reason she was in the papers is because she's jealous. She is the ugliest thing you've ever seen. Seriously. Uh, her name is Debbie Wood. D-E-B-B-I. That's the chav spelling. And she's 21 stone, and she's so paranoid about uh, losing her husband, and he's not a looker either, that she makes him take lie detector tests. I mean, she is the stupidest woman. You know, he's obviously the drippiest bloke as well. That's next to Kieran Haler. And so now she's having um, a gastric band fitted so he won't cheat. You are joking. I mean, put it away. Have you thought of a head transplant, dear? You know, try and go all the way. I mean, a gastric band isn't going to make any difference. Obesity costs us £47 billion a year. And, um, you know, she, they, they went on television. They're just attention-seeking. She's particularly attention-seeking, only going to prove that you can be fat and ugly and still come up with garbage like this. She says, I used to have a figure like Sophia Loren. No, you didn't, dear. You never had a figure like Sophia Loren. So she's going to have this band fitted in her stomach. And then she'll probably cheat like everybody else does. And they start liquidising food. Because you can't have anything, you know, you, you, you can't sort of take down solids. So you, you, you liquidise. That's what they do. Uh, another picture of uh, Kim Kardashian. What does that old bag do? Answer, nothing at all. She's 34. She was in uh, New York. And she's now hired a makeup artist just for her breasts. I tell you, it's, it only goes to prove it. In America, you can have loads of money and still not have a brain. And here she is, living example of how dumb, dim and dumber you really can be. Anyway, we'll come back to more of those in, uh, in a moment. Also, the, uh, the man who was attacked in a cinema during the, the Fifty Shades film. The reason he was attacked is because the three, it was in Portsmouth, I think. And you know what Portsmouth's like? Oh, rough. Portsmouth is dead rough. I promise you, it's got more chavs down there than the Jeremy Kyle show if it ran for ten years. I promise you. That's where most of them come from. It's like a holding pen. A bit like Staines as well. You've got Staines, Portsmouth, holding pens for the Jeremy Kyle show. Sometimes the Jerry Springer show, but that's just the sex changers. And, uh, and they go down there and they attack this man in the cinema. He told them to be quiet. So they attacked him in the cinema. Luckily the police were called. All known, of course. 4.30 is the time. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Tuesday, 17th of Feb. Do you know, have you noticed this month's dragging? I know that we've had, um, we had uh, the Valentine's Day thing. Now today we've got Shrove Tuesday. Thursday, you've got Chinese New Year. 
So it's just eat, eat, eat this week. I like Chinese New Year. Already Marks and Spencer have got their Chinese meals coming out. Do you know what they put back into it? Because they, they stopped doing it for ages. They're crispy beef. And it's the only... I've had crispy beef. I nearly bought some yesterday. I nearly bought some crispy beef. Uh, unfortunately, um, it's got so much sugar in it that it sends my sugar readings through the roof. But I quite like it. It also cooks very quickly. Was it Gabrielle who was on Lucy? I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, somebody says only one eye, so it could be Gabrielle. Well, I don't know. Oh, somebody says the singer is Gabrielle. Oh, right. I had no idea. Why did they put their names up underneath so I know these things? It's a bit embarrassing. I have to keep asking you every time I want to know something, isn't it? And uh, Mark says, I'm so glad that Karen Danzig has been given the name to the police of the paedophile who, uh, who abused her. Having fundraised for the NSPCC, it can be a big step forward. Well, I didn't think it was such a big step forward. I think it was probably the outcry of people saying, are you mad? So you've sold your story to the sun, you know, about this abuse that happened over years, over years. And you haven't been to the police, and I want to put it behind me. And somebody obviously went, I don't think so, dear. I don't think so. I think, you know, if I advised the police to go to her yesterday, you know, and literally take her in and question her and say, right, we need to know the name of this person. This is a paedophile who abused her for years. Not once, not twice, over years. Over years, at six years old. I mean, (laughs) you know, I wasn't sure whether she had a brain cell that was working. You go to the police immediately. Why, her husband never said anything. What the God's name does he do? Oh, he's an MP. Oh, that's why. Not a clue what's going on, really. I'm not sure whether he should be embarrassed by his sort of wife's selfies. Now we've had this terrible story, but at least she's been to the police. I'm expecting an arrest very, very shortly and a prosecution. Because otherwise, I mean, I'm not sure how it works. I don't know if she goes to the police and she says, I'll give you this name, but I don't want to prosecute. I don't want to drag myself through court. And they overrule her and say, well, I'm sorry, we're taking it to court. Or do they go, OK, we won't bother prosecuting this man who sexually abuses six-year-old children. Because I'm thinking you go round to his house and you, you know, and you go, I'm sorry, unless he's dead. There is the opportunity, I suppose, that he could be dead. But he might not be. And if he's still around, he might have abused... Hundreds of... We don't know how many six-year-old... If he, if he abused her in her bed. So, obviously, in her house with her parents there. And she never said anything, anything at all. Well, then, you know, she had to go to the police. Well, the police certainly had to go to her. So she's given a name. Let's hope we see an arrest very, very shortly. Because you, you just can't have that. You cannot have a paedophile who attacks a six-year-old girl over years... It only stopped when she was 11, so it went on for five years. And she's not named him. I'd I'd be beating the door to his house down, ladies and gentlemen. Beating the door to his house down. I did uh, see that story in the papers, and you've all been talking about it as well. The uh, the man who was attacked at the age of 93 for a £5 note in his wallet. Uh, A man has been arrested... He's not been charged yet. He's being questioned at the moment. Because, obviously, the moment the picture was printed in the papers, everybody was phoning up saying, we know who this is. We know who this is. And so uh, they're questioning a man at the moment. How ca- I mean, I, don't, I can't get my head around any of these things this morning. Can you actually get your head around somebody who would attack a 93-year-old man all for a £5 note? All for a £5 note. I mean, if I didn't, you know, if, if this was sort of Saudi Arabia, not that I have any interest in their human rights issues, apart from thinking they're positively disgusting. But, uh, you know, somebody starts doing things like this, you chop their hands off. You know, in the case of if this, you know, perpetrator of the crime against this 93-year-old is actually caught and prosecuted, I just don't want him sent to prison for six months or a year. I want something terrible to befall him. 
Because you don't get to the age of 93 only to have some tow rag attack you for a £5 a five. That's all he had in his wallet, a £5 note. Little £5 note. I mean, it breaks your heart, doesn't it? Hope somebody starts a fundraising for him. 93 and he's only got a little £5 note. That's it. Nothing else. And somebody will attack him, beat him about the head, just to take that little £5 note. Isn't that... I mean, I just... Sometimes you just... You have to hold yourself back, don't you, really? Because you, you think... Uh, you know, I'm thinking dreadful thoughts, I'm afraid. I'm thinking things that I want to do to this person. But then that makes me as bad as they are, so I have to take those thoughts out of my mind. But I just don't think that there's any deterrent nowadays. If some toe rag really does think that they can... They can attack a 93-year-old and just take his, his little five... That was all the money he had. A little five-pound note, for God's sake. Honestly, it just breaks your heart, doesn't it, really? It breaks your heart because you think to yourself, how could another human being do that to somebody? How, how could anybody ever do that? I just, I just don't understand it. Uh, Craig says, happy pancake day. God, you really... Th- how many pancakes are we supposed to eat? I mean, are we supposed to eat... I don't know what would be considered a decent amount of pancakes... Three, do you think? Four. My mum used to make little thin pancakes. I mean, she did make the batter and do the whole... And I've got some pancake recipes for you later. And uh, and some interesting fillings. Because the other day, we did have the cherries and the cream, and that sounded quite nice. And then somebody said, why don't you just do uh, cherries, blueberries, raspberries and blackberries, and mix them all up in a bowl with sort of cream. <laughs> sounding a disaster for me, I'm afraid. Mix it all up with cream and then just slap it into the pancakes. All my mother did when she did hers. And frankly, I wish she'd had two frying pans just to keep them all going. We just had, you know, she would do the... Fr- we were eating them quicker than she could make them. My mother used to say the same. Probably lots of mums say the same thing. Slow down. She used to say, goodness sake, honestly, you'll get indigestion. We never did. But you'll get indigestion if you don't, you know, swallow your food properly. So chew it so many times. But pancakes were just delicious. I did buy some from M&S. I might go and buy some from Waitrose today to try those. They probably all do them. Uh, I was going to say I might try Tesco, but I've decided I don't want to try Tesco at the moment. I think they're on a bit of a downer. And so I might try Waitrose's one, see what they're like. And then just do them with a bit of... I can't do sugar on them. I could probably... I'll tell you what I'd quite like to do, though. I might go... Oh, I can't have any fruit compote because it's so sugary. I have to try and pace myself on... If I'm having something that I know has got a bit of sugar in it, then I have to have the rest of the day going a bit naff. And uh, rhubarb, I love. I love stewed rhubarb. My mum used to do stewed rhubarb, make it for me, freeze it in these little containers. And I would take it home, thaw it out, and I'd have it with, uh, with just condensed milk or evaporated milk or ice cream or custard. Or just by itself. And then I, I bought some in Waitrose a while ago. It comes in a jar, and it's called rhubarb compote. And it's, it's quite expensive. It's about three or four pounds, but it's delicious. But it's just full of sugar. Because you can't cook rhubarb, really, without sugar. So I thought, actually, to have, to have rhubarb today would be quite nice. I quite, I quite fancy that idea. But uh, I'll have to make compromises elsewhere, I've decided. Elsewhere, there will have to be compromises. Uh, 84850, Jenny says that Simon Cowell's made a big mistake. He's not renewed uh, Sam Bailey's contract. Well, it's... um, uh, She knew this this was going to happen. It wasn't that she... uh, You know, how how far will Ben Hay now go? Well, he he won't go any further. I I can confidently predict all the people on The X Factor. Let me just explain how The X Factor works. Okay, it's Simon Cowell's programme for which ITV pay him for promoting his own programme. Okay, and we had the same with Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's how programmes are made nowadays. So Simon Cowell's company makes his own programme, and the whole purpose is to shift albums. They're not interested 
in furthering a career of somebody. They're interested in shifting albums. That's what they're in the business of. So, consequently, they even before the programme has finished, they've announced the tour dates. They've already booked in. The tour dates are already booked in. They know exactly where they're going one year to the next because all they've got to do is just put the names in the frames. And so the names go on there. They will earn a bit of money for doing the tour. Simon Cowell's company, Psycho, will make even more. They're all signed to Psycho anyway. They can't go anywhere else. None of these people can go and record an album anywhere else because they're signed to Psycho. So they have their first album uh, and it might go to number one. It might go to number one. And then they gauge whether they think it's worthwhile going into the studio and doing anything else with them. That's what they... And it's, they're all fodder, I'm afraid. I know it's very harsh, but that's the business. That's what they do. They will put somebody... So I don't know how many albums Simon had in the charts Christmas time, but I should imagine, at the minimum, four. The artists in the charts... You know, you see them advertised on the television, Calabro and, uh, you know, Choristers. And all, all Simon Cowell. It's all very, very clever marketing. They go on the tour. They go and uh, do the tour. And then they... Uh, and then they sort of just disappear. And Sam will always work. She'll always work because she's a singer. She's a singer. She's not, you know, she's not one of these, you know, here you are and it's an image and all that kind of thing. I mean, Ben Haynow, I doubt you'll hear from him again. Because the moment the programme is finished and they're not on the television, they don't get any coverage. They don't. I mean, they, they get nothing at all. The only reason they get coverage is because they're on the television programme. The moment the television programme finishes, Simon Cowell and the people at Psycho, and it's a big organisation, will be sort of gearing up for the next programme and working out... You know, there's that girl with big hair on there. Well, lovely, but you won't hear of her ever again. They'll go on the tour and that will be it. You'll see a couple of pictures in papers of them all looking a bit bleary-eyed, sitting on a tour bus. You know, such is the glamour of performing. And then they suddenly realise that not half of them are cut out for this job. You know, you've got to... It's, it's, it's very tough. <coughs> Excuse me. It's, it's really a tough business. And so, you know, the fact that she was, she was dropped after an album... She had an album. You know, she, she was very happy with the album, and it was, it was really good. I thought the album was great. We interviewed her for In Conversation, and she was under no illusion about how the business operates. She's a singer. She goes out there... And she sings. Doesn't make any difference. She doesn't need to be seen in the magazines. She's not one of these attention seekers like that poor pitiful creature, Lauren Goodyear. You know, who just has been desperately bleating on to anybody who'll listen. I need to lose weight. Can anybody give me a free diet so she can lose weight? So they have pictures of her looking fat and bloated. You know, and so far nobody's bought into the idea. So Gemma Collins has come up with an even better wheeze. She's not actually on a diet. She's on this sort of liposuction type thing. So in other words, you know, fat and lazy and dumb at the same time. She's just promoting this thing where you can go and have it sucked out of you and all the rest of it, and you lose inches here and inches there. You know, and then you look at her and you think, hasn't, hasn't done much for your face, has it, really? And that's what they do. They lurch from one disaster to another. Gabrielle, it was, says Annie, on Loose Women. I knew you'd know. I just have to ask, and, uh, and you shall give me the answers. Quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to 5. It's Tuesday, the 17th of February. Uh, Peter says, what's the topic? Your spelling, I should imagine, actually. Um, weird is W-I-E-R-D. W-I-E-W-E-I-R-D. Thank you. But, uh, you know, so... But never, it doesn't matter, Peter. Sit back. Matron will put you back into bed very, very shortly, OK? Uh, yesterday, uh, we were talking about all the, all the crowd coming home from America, Nick and Tom and... Everybody, and uh, Boris as well. And uh, Tom, came. he's very tall. He's very tall. And uh, he apparently emailed Warren yesterday 
and said I was, I was a bit cheeky for talking about him on the radio. Because his brother listens in Hong Kong. And uh, unfortunately, he fell asleep on the plane, so he didn't even have a tipple. In his own words, he said he didn't have time to power down any alcohol. <laughs> what does that, power down? Does that mean drink? <laughs> he says it was a fantastic experience and just such a shame I couldn't power home a few drinks. <laughs> Although I gather Steve Allen had a rather different take on it this morning. Cheeky soul. Yes, I am. He's a cheeky beggar, beggar actually. <laughs> oh, well, never let it spoil a good story, I always say. Actually, then, then Warren said to me yesterday, he said, did you see Tom today? I said, no, he wasn't in. So I don't know if he's in today. Perhaps he's on a sort of different uh, different time slips. I don't know. 84850, steve at I love it when I get presents. Parcels. Sorry, not presents. Parcels. And, uh, oh, that'll look at Burger King. Why do all their burgers in all their adverts on Burger King look really exciting? And when you see them, they're all, they're all horrible. They don't look so nice. I did go past the one in Twickenham the other day. I've not seen anybody cooking in Burger King. There's no people flipping burgers at the back. Am I, am I sort of missing the point somewhere along the line? Anybody work in Burger King? Able to speak English, you can tell me. 84850, uk. Uh, apparently crispy chilli beef is even better, says Jane. <laughs> Chris, oh, that sounds quite nice. Crispy chilli beef. Whatever it is, it sounds delicious. And it sounds, it sounds like an absolute heart attack waiting to happen. Because we don't know about heart attacks, do we? We don't know about heart attacks at all. I don't like cooked rhubarb, but I love it uh, raw. Oh, you're never supposed to eat rhubarb raw. Apparently it's quite dangerous for you. Eating raw raw rhubarb is, is very bad. Uh, 84850. Following your suggestion, says Tony, the other day, we bought six ready-made pancakes at Tesco in the microwave, 30 seconds, sugar, maple syrup and lemon juice. Superb. Yes, I mean, what's the, what's the point of cooking the things? What is the point of making your own pancakes? I mean, there is no point at all, ladies and gentlemen. You stand there for ages, whisking it down, da 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 and, uh, and then, whereas you can go and buy either the ready-made mix, which they sell in loads of places, you just add either milk or water, shake it up in the thing and then pour it in there. But, I mean, making pancakes is a pain. Get them, get them done for you. It's like going into a restaurant, sitting down at the table and going, right, what shall I go and cook in their kitchen? You know, you don't do things like that. And if you're going out to have pancakes, uh, you know... Don't. Have, the, have them at home. Have them at home. Much, much easier. Uh, and uh, and don't, don't make them. Just buy them. I know it's a bit lazy. You know what you're, you're eating at the moment? I'm very pleased about it, actually. You're eating more English apples. Sales are up. Sales are up. And uh, now that the, the Braeburn and the Gala are being planted in Britain, English apples and pears are going up. There's one man here... 130,000 tonnes, which is up 15,000 tonnes on the previous year. And, in fact, uh, even in the, the greengrocer, Paul's, in, uh, in Twickenham, he must carry probably about 13 or 14 different varieties of apples. Everything from russets all the way through to gala, and I can't think of any of the other ones, but they're, they're lovely. They're, seriously, I've never seen so many nights, and I don't even eat apples. I don't eat apples very often. It makes me cringe to even think about you know, biting into an apple. Uh, the jihadis blitzed after the beach horror. Um, the Egyptian jets have wasted no time in uh, targeting the fanatics who beheaded the 21 Christians. I just... The uh, the two pictures in the papers today, um, uh, it's... You almost can't quite believe what you're looking at. They're marching 21 people onto a beach. They're made to kneel down. Presumably they're handcuffed. Because otherwise you'd be turning around punching these uh, these bedecked little 
strange men holding knives. Jihadi John, I think, makes some pathetic attempt at uh, understanding English. And, uh, and then they literally behead every one of them. I don't, I don't quite understand why they wouldn't be standing up and running. Why would you, you know, run into the sea, do something, let them chase you in there? I just don't understand how 21 people, I mean, you're just, and nobody's making any movement at all. Nobody's doing anything. They're just literally there. I mean, the sea turned red, as you can imagine it would. 21 of these people, each one had their own executioner. I hope they bomb these executioners and their bloody families at the same time. Blow them to smithereens. I can't, you know, it's just an affront, isn't it? It's just an affront. It's just how, how bad can it possibly get? And the answer is possibly worse. Although there is a picture that makes me smile. It was in uh, the town of Cludad Rodrigo in western Spain. And this is where they have um, bullfighting festivals still, that barbaric act of inviting people to go there. The town councillor, Pedro Munoz, says a Briton and a Spaniard sustained injuries. Uh, the guy, Benjamin Miller, was left with a 16-inch tear in his thigh and damage to muscles in his leg, bottom and back as the bull gored him with its hordes. Good. I was so delighted. I couldn't be happier. Well done, bull. I think it's absolutely disgusting what they do in Spain half the time. And uh, what they do is they have this... It's a bit like the uh, the bull running. You know, the, the this particular event features bull running. And I should imagine the bulls must be absolutely terrified. So when they actually sort of kill a spectator or they gore them to pieces, I'm delighted. I'm seriously happy. As far as I'm concerned, these people are sick in the head. You know, bullfighting is bad enough. I mean, the bull loses from the moment it walks into the ring. You know, if you armed the bull with a 12-bore shotgun and blasted some of the picadors off their horses, that'd be more entertaining, wouldn't it? I don't quite understand why people stand and go, oh, Toro, hello, all this kind of rubbish that we have to put up with. You know, it's sold out, it's so antiquated. And then the bull running. So the bull, petrified out of its life, is jeered at by everybody. So when it gets its own back on somebody, I'm really happy. I'm really happy. I'm glad he was gored, stupid man, for being in there in the first place. I think he could be British. Good. Oh, no, he's an American tourist. Oh, good, I'm even happier. Even happier. And they go in, so this poor bull wanders around the ring, not knowing, and then somebody, <coughs> excuse me, shouts at it and done something. And then the picadors come and stick things in the side of it to get it angry. And then along comes some Nancy boy in a suit of all, you know, pretty lights and everything else. And they're, oh, all this kind of stuff. And uh, the band plays, and they proceeds to sort of prod it and do all sorts of things with it, and then run and hide, and then uh, and then eventually it gets killed, and they drag it out of the ring. Then he comes back in again, minus its ears. Very sad, very sad. Harper Beckham starting out in yet another blasted outfit. They keep going. Here she is. So what they've done? They've got about thirty or forty pictures of Harper Beckham, a very average little girl, um, in sort of chic outfits. You know, either being carried by Daddy wearing a tea cosy, or Mummy, or Mummy... You never see them together, actually. It's either Mummy holding him or Daddy holding him. And, um, and that's it. And so here she is, pictured in lots of little outfits. It's a bit like looking at uh, Suri, Tom Cruise's daughter, you know, in all the little outfits. These ones aren't as expensive, but, I mean, she's got here one of them. It's a little Roberto Cavalli coat, um, where they went to Gordon Ramsay's. <coughs> the coat costs 535 quid for a little child. You know, little child. I mean, she was shopping in Beijing in 2012, and here you've got a, you know, a blouse. And everything. I mean, it's very nice. I, don't, I couldn't really care less how much money they spend on her. It's their business. It's not my money. They can do what they like. They can spend a million pounds on her. I just keep thinking, you know, do they like this kind of publicity where their child is splattered all over the pages of a paper in all the different outfits she's wearing? You know, I mean, is it... <laughs> 
you know, does it make her a fashionista? No, of course it doesn't. It just means her parents can afford to put her in clothes that you sometimes look at and you think, who in God's name would ever buy that? They do. They do. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk and uh, we'll try and weave uh, everything. I've got some more of your uh, emails. The machine's a little bit slow this morning, so don't worry. And, um, and, and Tess says, well, you stop talking about uh, food. You know, it is five o'clock in the morning. Well, it's not even four. It's very nearly five o'clock in the morning. Well, that's sort of, you know, um, that's exactly what happens when you sort of... Ca- you've got to talk about food. This is normal for me. Paula says, I use Candarelle instead of sugar. Oh, I hate Candarelle. I don't like any of these, any of these false sugars. You know, you're either going to have sugar or you're not going to have sugar. It's as simple as that. You know, you're, you're, there's no point in sort of having a, having a sugar substitute for it. But I do, I do like... I do like rhubarb. And at the moment, it's very expensive. The reason it's expensive is because it's forced rhubarb, which means that they bring it on. It's much sweeter, much sweeter than uh, than the normal rhubarb. But the, the trouble is, it's about three times the price. So if you're going out to buy rhubarb and you buy sort of three sticks of it, it could cost you as much as a fiver. Paul sold some the other day to a, to a lady, John did. And, um, and uh, he... Uh, he said, it's, it's quite expensive. And so she brought it, the rhubarb. She gave it to him. He went, that's four ninety five, And she went, oh. And I said, it's, I said, it's forced. And she said, oh, right. I think she thought we were joking. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so just going back to Tom and Warren on the plane. He said, when I approached Tom on the plane, I said I was a friend of Steve Allen's. He said, oh, my God. Steve Allen is a veteran legend. <laughs> I don't know what that means, actually. Veteran legend. <sighs> God, I don't know how we're going to live with ourselves this morning. The answer is uh, we are. Uh, we are. And I'll, I'll run through some, some recipes a little bit later on for you of other interesting things you can put inside your pancakes. You might not be having pancakes. I don't know. I mean, to be honest, it doesn't actually make any difference. Uh, here's a picture of Jacqueline Josser, luckily leaving hospital. And I see that Dan, her, uh, the father of the child, has managed to dress up for it in a white T-shirt, showing his tattoos. And luckily, they managed to inform the press photographers they could get a good picture he's 23 he now has two children and i sincerely hope he can actually find the means to support she's 23 as well and she tweeted she's perfect i know dear well that's your life isn't it that's it finished now i mean honestly i can't quite understand why at 23 you'd want to screw your career up so who's gonna be oh your mother will be looking after it a bit like um a bit like katie price isn't it going into the into the big brother house uh and obviously somebody else ends up looking after the children because she doesn't have any money and she's got to kind of live hand-to-mouth. The NHS giving condoms to pupils aged 13. That's nothing around our way in Twickenham. Seriously, I promise you. There is a place, it's, uh, it's run by the council, and anybody can go in there. Children, we've seen little children going in there. They look about 11 or 12, and they can get free condoms. They want them to use condoms. So when they say 13-year-olds, I mean, they're practically a bit ancient, aren't they, by now? The drug addict in the paper today used fake sob stories to swindle money from perfect strangers. We need to do something about these. And, of course, the programme that Nick Ferrari is going to be talking about this morning is the one at Selfridges in Manchester where they put spikes outside to stop the homeless. Some people are up in arms. LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's early breakfast. It's Steve Allen. It's Tuesday, the 17th of 
February. It is dragging this month. I said earlier on, I thought it was dragging a little bit. I kept thinking, have we been paid yet? And I thought, no, about another ten days, isn't it? Or just under ten days. So we've had the Valentine's Day. We've had uh, Shrove Tuesday. Well, we will have done by the time we get through today. And um, and we should be getting cheap roses. They've got loads of roses in M&S and everywhere else, which they were selling for Valentine's Day. If they don't knock them out cheap soon, they're just going to wilt and sit there and they won't get any money at all. And then it's Chinese New Year on Thursday. So it'll be Gong Ho Fat Choi. And uh, we'll all be absolutely loving all the Chinese food. And just rev... I love Chinese food. Don't have it all the time, but uh, most of the time, absolutely adore it. And we will be telling you how the Chinese see our sights. Because they've given them all different names, which I quite, uh, I quite like, actually. It made me, uh, made me smile. Uh, Sam Smith, standing on the Grammy stage, accepting the last of his four gongs, made a public declaration to the man who broke his heart and inspired the album... In the Lonely Hour, he said, uh, I want to thank the man who this record is about. Thank you so much for breaking my heart because you got me four Grammys. It's not really the way to look at it, though, is it, really? It's very sweet that he said that, but to be honest with you, I think he'd rather have had the relationship than uh, than the Grammys. Although maybe not, actually. Maybe not. Who knows? can all go pear-shaped, can't it? Uh, there's a new dancing programme. This is the People's Strictly Come Dancing. So you're going to... And this time it's um, a man who founded a, a kids' charity... Uh, a meningitis fundraiser, a health charity founder, uh, somebody who set up a school for autistic kids, and an MS sufferer. And so they say this owner's oh, a Marine. Cassidy Little, his name is Cassidy Little. Have you ever heard of such a name? Cassidy, as a first name. But he lost part of his right leg in Afghanistan, and he's taking part in the People Strictly Come Dancing. It's just, it's just that they, they, they've got a formula of people dancing, and they're trying to sort of come up with, with new ways to try and uh, sell it. Richard Blackwood in a few papers this morning talking about uh, going on to EastEnders. He'll make his debut. They're all absolutely, as I say, bricking it because one of the episodes is going to be live. I don't know why. There's no logical reason why they would do live. Seriously, there is no, no reason. And they do it. I think it just tests them. And so they've all really got to learn their, uh, their lines very well because if you miss it, uh, it'll get caught. And somebody will screw up. Somebody will actually screw up. I, I can almost, well, I can guarantee that it will be happening. And uh, everybody else will be going, thank God it was them and not me. And I want to be there to watch that bit. That's the thing. Teresa says, do the shop-bought pancakes uh, have to go in the microwave or can they be done in a pan with a little butter? You could do them any way you like. They're already cooked. It's already heating. I did mine the other day in a, um, I've got a ceramic pan. So you don't need to clean it. Nothing sticks to it or burns. And you literally just turn up full heat. Put it on there. I left that for a you know, couple of minutes to heat up. And, um, and then just threw, threw a pancake in there. Flipped it over. And uh, they come out boiling hot. Absolutely lovely. They're already cooked, so you don't have to do them in the microwave. Do them anywhere at all. Uh, the Loose Women panel paid uh, tribute to Carol McGiffin after she revealed her battle with breast cancer. Uh, Ruth Langsford praised the star's bravery but said she wasn't surprised Carol kept last April's diagnosis private, calling her a stuff-and-nonsense gal. So there you go. They should put her back on the programme. She's certainly far more intelligent than some of the old things they've got on there. And um, fellow presenter Gloria Honeyford said she admired Carol's choice to keep her illness a secret, setting, setting, uh, secret, adding, no matter what's wrong with you, you should deal with that the way you want to. Absolutely, do it any way you want to. If you want to tell people about your illness, tell people about your illness. Do you want to tell them about your illness? Don't tell them about your illness. Makes no difference at all, does it? That uh, sometimes a problem shared is a problem halved. MPs are now backing compulsory sex lessons from the age of five. 
they say it would help prevent abuse. I don't know how that would work at all. Seeing as uh, Karen Danzuk was abused from the age of six years old, what, what difference would it have made? She never said anything to her parents. And obviously her parents never suspected anything. So uh, I don't think it would uh, I think it would change at all, I'm afraid. I don't think it would change at all. But uh, I think I think five's a wee bit young. I know Ollie was talking about it earlier on, but it's just a fraction young, isn't it? To be talking about sex, I mean, good God in heaven. I mean, I didn't even know what it was in those days. I don't think I know what it is now, to be honest with you. I, know, I appreciate the fact that people should have sex education lessons. I think it should be done at at school. Because parents, quite clearly, haven't got the faintest idea. You look at some of the kids who are going to school now, the ones who abuse, you know, police and things like that, and you think your parents wouldn't have the faintest idea. They probably don't know how they got pregnant in the first place. You see them on the Jeremy Carl show. When they say, when they say they're actually pregnant, sometimes you have to stop yourself from being sick. Because you look at it and you think, this poor child is coming into this household. Oh, dear. You know, and then Jeremy Carl always shows a picture of this sort of adorable little orphan, uh, sitting at the back, you know, and they've got the, the grandmother there, all these, you know, these toothless hags. You know that they're going to push the thing down the road with a fag in one mouth. That's them as opposed to the baby. Although, to be honest with you, the baby will probably end up smoking just as quickly as the, uh, as the next person. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Stephen says, Karen Danzig's approach to the historical abuse, not reporting it to the police, seems very odd. In contrast to her husband's focus on the Westminster paedophile scandal, he was one of the people who exposed Cyril Smith as a serial abuser. Well, I mean, she said she didn't want to go backwards, which, of course, was absolute cobblers, because that's exactly what she did. She talked about it in the paper the other day. But she is an attention seeker. We know that, because she's taken all these selfies and, you know, oh, I'm too beautiful, which you're not, of course. But uh, but the story, I said yesterday, I, I kind of lost it a little bit. I said, this is just ridiculous. Abuse from the age of six, and you've not gone to the police, and it was a family friend. I, I want to see him put on the front of every newspaper in the country. Seriously, because I'm assuming he's a married man. Only assuming, because the majority of paedophiles are married men. And, uh, and I want to see, you know, but then the trouble is, he might have a family. And that's where it gets complicated, doesn't it? You know, do we have the right to drag the family into it? And you kind of think, well, you should have thought about that in the first instance. You know, I just don't understand why. You know, from the age, from the age of six, she was abused. And she didn't do anything. And now she's whatever age she is. But now she says she's gone to the police. So I'm expecting an arrest any time soon. I really am. Mind you, we're still expecting arrest, aren't we, over the, uh, the Chloe Maidley debacle, which she made such a big faff about. Because somebody twittered they were going to rape her, which, of course, is just, you know, people lying. They wouldn't be doing that at all, physically. It was just stupid writing as somebody of lesser intelligence. And, uh, and that she went to the police with. So where's that one gone? You have to check all these things out because many, many of them, they just don't seem to go anywhere. And Lynn says, I can't believe you're doing an in-conversation with Hopkins. Bit disappointed. Why? Why? Oh, God, are you mad? She's the most, uh, most talked-about columnist around. She's absolutely fantastic. You know, she says things... I mean, yeah, somebody said to me, you know, the way she treated Katie Price. Well, that foul-mouthed old trollop. You must be joking. The garbage that emanated from Katie Price's mouth discussing her sex life, her and Alex Reed's sex... Oh, it's the most pitifully disgusting thing I've ever read in my life. But then perhaps you wanted to hear about things like that. I always think the people who sort of support Katie Price really are a very similar people. Um, another one here says, I can't sleep, so I've got a cough. The cough does keep you awake, doesn't it? The cough does keep people awake nowadays. And um, it's, there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to hope. Actually, I've not done too badly with it. Not done too badly. 
with, uh, with not actually coughing. Uh, if you return goods within 14 days, you can claim back the original postage. Do you, have you noticed that if you buy things on some of the television channels which are selling things, they say, you know, try it for 30 days, and if you don't like it, send it straight back. The only thing they won't give you back is your postage. So, in other words, you know, if it costs five ninety nine to send it, they're going to deduct five ninety nine. You're not going to be getting that bit back at all. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, Eleanor says, I wish I was Victorian David's child. Perhaps they could adopt me. Yes, I mean, I, I think so. I think so. They obviously like spending money on the kids. Funny, isn't it? Because we didn't have all this, you know, how much are they spending on all the boys' clothes? We didn't get that. But obviously, you know, being sexist in most of the media, they've obviously decided that uh, let's talk about the clothes that she's wearing. But, of course, as the whole Beckham family absolutely adore the publicity, I don't think they go outside without a photographer. They've probably got, you know, cameras all over their house to photograph them doing normal things. I want to see that photograph, which you will never see, Victoria Beckham either cooking or eating food. Okay, you will never, ever see that. She does not eat anything. Who was it the other... Oh, they said on Loose Women about about the opera singer Catherine Jenkins. They said, she's so so slim. And she'll go, oh, do you think so? I've, I've seen her. She is slim. She is slim. Um... Uh, so Christine says, uh, waited an all-day Saturday for the courier. He came yesterday, said no chance for delivery on Saturday. And all we deliver were roses. It's, it's interesting that uh, when I've ordered stuff before, a couple of the companies have said they don't deliver to a business address. They won't deliver to a... They'll only deliver to your home address. Whereas I have all my stuff on Amazon delivered here. And in fact, I've got a FedEx parcel winging its way here even as I speak. And in fact, I just got notification uh, a short while ago of a tracking update. I like tra- tracking updates. And, um, and they tell you exactly where it is. And so I can see uh, how many pieces it is. I can tell you exactly which airport it has been to. And, uh, and, I can, and, and then I can tell when it's been delivered because it tells me. And I can see who signed for it at the same time. So that I love. I mean, I just find it fascinating that now you can order stuff from all over the world. doesn't matter where it is. All over the world, there will be a UPS or a FedEx or somebody like that who will be delivering these things. And you track your parcel. You put in the tracking number and it will show you it arrived at this airport. It's been tracked in here. And then we've now sent it on to this airport. Now it's arrived at Stansted. It's out for delivery for tomorrow. And, And you think, that is so clever. I mean, seriously, I think it's phenomenal. In this day and age, when you... when I I'm even amazed at when I put a Christmas card... In a post box, and it makes it within a day and a half. I, you know me, I, I send cards and letters and parcels to people all the time. And uh, sometimes I'll put, I, I put something in the post a short while ago to a friend of mine, and it arrived the following day, and she's in Brighton. I posted it in Twickenham in the morning, and it got to her the following day. I thought, that was amazing service. I've got nothing but praise. Nothing but praise. Oh, a little picture of uh, Kim Jong-un. That's the one with the silly haircut. But I've discovered they all seem to have silly haircuts over there. And um, apparently, fireworks yesterday marked the 74th anniversary of his late father, Kim Jong-il's birth. Nice, isn't it? Good. Uh, new BBC One show, The Casual Vacancy. Uh, this is uh, starring Michael Gambon, peaked at 7.3 million. And uh, J.K. Rowling, absolutely thrilled. Mr. Selfridge pulled in 3.5 million. And uh, Julie Walters, Indian Summer on Channel 4, 3.4 million. Channel 4 said the ratings were more than double the average for the slot, which is good. But, of course, being Channel 4, they don't get the huge figures that they get uh, for some of the other channels. But still good. Still good. Leading Britain's conversation. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. This morning from 7 on LBC. 
5.20 and uh, on Nick's programme this morning as Selfridges in Manchester, the latest place to install spikes outside a building. They say it's to stop smoking and littering. Campaigners say it's to stop rough sleepers. So it stops smoking near the building, but it also stops the homeless from finding some shelter. Is it inhumane? And a mockumentary focusing on UKIP's first 100 days, should they get into power, was last night... Uh, was on last night. What do you reckon? Has it damaged UKIP and Mark Harper, the Conservative Minister for Disabled People, speaking to Nick Ferrari about the Tory plan to make the young unemployed do ongoing community work or apprenticeships? What a brilliant idea. In other words, picking up litter before they get benefit. What a brilliant idea. John Craig, Chief Political Correspondent for Sky News, will be looking at the papers this morning. I've seen these spikes before. Um, because nobody wants homeless people sleeping and kipping down in your doorway, do you? I mean, in London, you see that quite a lot. We see that in, in doorways down the Strand and various other places. They'll sort of kip in there and people go, excuse me, can I try and get into the building? Hello? You know. And, uh, and the truth of the matter is, many of these people are drunks. Many of them are drunks. And uh, there are night shelters in London. But if you're not there by a certain time, you know, you can't just turn up at two in the morning and expect to get into a night shelter because they're full up by that time. You've got to go there and make an effort. But of course, as these people are off their trolleys, they, uh, they don't do that. They just sit there. We had some, where was somebody I saw the other day? Hounslow High Street. Hounslow High Street. Somebody was sitting there, you know, the usual thing, in a sleeping bag with their, their legs drawn up underneath them. Just, they, they, they can barely speak half of them. But money, money. You think, what's going on here? This is Hounslow. My God, it was a dump. It really was. Dreadful place. And then there's the stupidest man in the world. Well, one of the stupidest men. His name is John Reed. John Reed apparently is a, a handyman from Stirling. He comes from Alloa near Stirling. And uh, he was so drunk, he was driving his uh, his uh, flatbed white pickup truck. And there's a picture of him, so I think we know what he is. And he was so drunk, he parked up in the fast lane of a motorway, turned the lights off and went to sleep. Seriously, I mean, how how he was never killed is a, is a, a miracle in itself. But uh, he just, uh, he was twice the drink drive limit when he was arrested. That was at 4.12 in the morning. Uh, officers managed to wake him and a rolling roadblock was used to get the vehicle onto the hard shoulder. He admitted drink driving and all he got was an 18-month road ban. <laughs> I'd have sent him to prison. <laughs> Ten years. I'm sorry. Twice the legal limit and he parks in the fast lane. That's, that, that's the very fast lane, I should imagine, up there. And, and then just turns off, his, turns off the lights and goes to sleep. He was so drunk. And all he gets is an 18-month ban. Not good enough, is it, really? See, sometimes I think the uh, the law in this country is a complete ass. Uh, Dean says salmon in Lidl has been farmed in Norway, comes vacuum-packed. I like fresh salmon. I don't like anything that's vacuum-packed. I, I don't do vacuum-packed. I won't buy vacuum-packed steaks, either. I don't like those. I like to buy fresh. I like to buy fresh. And if I was buying salmon, I don't want vacuum-packed. I don't, I don't know why, actually. I've just I've got a, a strange, strange thing about it. A strange thing about it. Uh, today, uh, the living hell of the Gaza aftermath. They've got a little boy here, uh, Hassan. He lost his mum, his dad and his sister. Uh, he's alive and uh, his leg was, was shattered, but his pain goes on. I mean, you might, I mean we, we can't imagine what it must be like living in some of these places where you're living in a permanent state of, are we going to be bombed today or are we not going to be bombed today? And when you sort of lose your little child like that, there is, there is huge problems. You don't know what to do. They don't have anything. You've only got to look at the, uh, at the hospital situations. They're literally surviving on an absolute shoestring. It's so sad. So sad. 
Steve, read the homeless spikes. I heard that the bus shelters have the gap at the bottom to deter the homeless from sleeping. Is it? Why would you want to sleep in a bus shelter? They're all open to the elements. Can't see any advantage. I mean, years ago, we used to have proper bus shelters where it was, you know, it was a wooden structure. And you sat in there and there was a window and you could look out and see if the bus was coming. Mind you, in those days, the buses used to stop anyway. They weren't request stops. They just, uh, they, they just sort of had, it was just a bus shelter. Now it's just, it's a little plastic seat where you park your bottom on it. Well, if you're lucky enough. Uh, Barbara Windsor helps kick off a week of special episodes of EastEnders as she trots back into Albert Square as Peggy Mitchell. Get out, my pub. Love it. What a week it's going to be. Every episode will contain some live scenes as the ongoing boredom of who killed Lucy Beale, which apparently has gripped you for ten months. Obviously, you don't have anything in your life if you're worrying about who killed Lucy Beale. She killed herself. OK, that's the one I'm starting. I know people, they get, people are betting on it. People really are so sad they're actually betting on who killed Lucy Beale. I said I should imagine it was probably an acting company or something like that. You know, anybody, sort of bad acting, and uh, let's, uh, let's kill her off. But uh, now they go, oh, it, it's gripped the nation. It's not gripped me. I couldn't care less. Could not care less. Uh, the good news is that uh, Jewish leaders say fear of attack won't make us flee Britain. Good. Good. I'm very pleased to hear it. I didn't think anybody would, actually. And French police yesterday arrested five teenagers over the desecration of up to 400 gravestones at a Jewish cemetery. The youths, aged 15 to 17, were held after the youngest gave himself up. Oh, dear. That's always a bit of a worry, isn't it? 15 to 17, not bright, family brain cell out on loan, and uh, there was a national outcry over this anti-Semitic attack. Gravestones had been kicked over or daubed with with, uh, Nazi swastikas. Uh, The French president called the desecrations odious and barbaric, and so they've got them, 15 to 17. Again, what, what would be a fitting punishment for them? You know, if, if, if a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old and a 16-year-old and probably another 15-year-old could go out there and do that to the graves of people who died, I just, I, my mind kind of can't get to grips with something like that. I can't think of what would be an appropriate, appropriate thing because for the people whose loved ones are there and it's their, their gravestones, I'd be thinking all sorts of horrible things. I mean, you know, odious and barbaric, it certainly is. Well, what, what do you do to a 15-year-old? I'm glad he had to give himself up. You know, and then, to, of course, dobbed in the rest of them. That, I think, is a fantastic idea. Fantastic idea, because, you know, little toe rags like that. You think, don't you, France? France is going to be fine. You know, they're not going to have things like that. <laughs> Lo and behold, there they found them. There they found them. The Swindler, as well, is in the paper today. Gary Lyon. Gary Lyon's another pathetic waste of space. 47. He claimed his children had cancer. And uh, so he gave fake sob stories about either his son having surgery or his daughter laying gravely ill. One daughter, now 15, did have leukaemia when she was younger, but had recovered. He wanted the money to fund his crack addiction, crack cocaine. As well as the uh, frauds, he repeatedly stole from his disabled mother, including jewellery worth £6,000. He used to pretend he'd run out of the petrol on the way to hospital. And uh, so they jailed him for 18 months. Might get him off the crack cocaine. He's jobless, of course. How many previous convictions? 42, ladies and gentlemen. 42 previous convictions. And uh, it's, just, it's just really... He apparently uh, was disgusted by his behaviour and wanted to apologise. Don't be so stupid. You're a compulsive liar. hope you rot in prison. Um, another one here. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. At the end of the day says Kevin, it's up to the building owners whether they want the homeless sleeping outside their property. 
I wonder if those who complained would mind them sleeping in a porch of their homes and using it as a toilet, says Kevin. Yes, I mean, I agree. You know, if I had a, if I had a building, I don't want homeless people sleeping in my doorway. I tell you what, you know, the people who go, oh, you know, you know, we have to do something with the homeless. I tell you what, why don't you open up your house, let them come and sleep in your, you know, you imagine you go home and somebody's sleeping in your porch and using it as a toilet and just being disgusting. That's all right, is it? So you're more than happy to have, uh, you know, top class businesses affected. Absolutely appalling. 84850, steve at uk. We shall weave absolutely everything in to the programme this morning. Uh, there's also a pub. I'm, I don't know why something gets voted as pub of the year. I don't know whether or not it's the, uh, the service, whether it's the cheap prices, whether it's the ambience. But here is a pub run by an ex-city analyst. Uh, this is in the village of Ham in Gloucestershire. Uh, it's the Salutation Inn. Uh, they, they called it a little gem. Peter Tiley had not pulled a pint when he switched careers and took over the pub with his wife two years ago. Known locally as the Sally, it's got two bars, a log fire and a skittle alley. Somebody said it was like being invited into a private house. Mr Tiley says we count ourselves unbelievably lucky. It's a, it's a bit of an achievement nowadays to actually have a pub that you can make a living at. It seriously is. You know, in certain areas... Where you've, uh, which have been sort of re-sort of classified as areas where the majority of the people who live there don't drink alcohol, the pubs just kind of give up. You know, and in certain parts of London, it's like that. I've driven through London before and seen certain areas which are predominantly Muslim, and the, the pubs have had to close down. They've turned into restaurants, all sorts of things. As, as far away as Essex and the length and breadth of the land, people don't go to the big pubs that they used to. So when you get a small little village pub, people go, oh, isn't that lovely? And you might pop out there, you know, if you were driving out. But uh, for him to get that award, I mean, that'll boost business for him. Because now people will be going there. And I hope it doesn't spoil them. Because sometimes people get a bit spoiled. They, they, they get carried away with people going, gosh, this is fantastic. A little bowling alley. People like a little bowling alley. And it's got two bars. As indeed pubs used to have in the early days. They used to have the, uh, the, uh, the common one. And then the lounge. And the lounge always had a bit of, uh, bit of carpet in it. And you paid a bit extra. But it, but it was quite nice. Didn't have any problem with things like that. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And da, 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 da. let me give you a quick time check. Just in case you're worried. I don't know, I've gone mad on time checks this morning. 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to six. Come on, skates on. You're going to miss that train. Oh, you missed it. Oh, well, there you go. It's always tomorrow, isn't there? How do the Chinese see our sights? And uh, some of these are lovely descriptions. I've got to think about um, Chinese culture, Chinese food, Chinese, Chinese lanterns, Chinese, just about everything Chinese. And lovers of science fiction won't want to miss the castle of love from outer space while devotees of Greek mythology will find Poseidon's trident a must-see. The forest of chivalrous thieves is an equally unmissable destination. Uh, these are, in fact, the names the Chinese visitors have given to Balmoral Castle, the Needles on the Isle of Wight, and Sherwood Forest. And uh, some of them are even more wonderful. The Shard, for example, is known as a tower allowing us to pluck stars from the sky. That's a, they're just so poetic about things. Um, the Royal Mile in Edinburgh... A beautiful street with long history and profound culture. The Mall, Queen Avenue. <laughs> Queen Avenue. The Gherkin, the pickled little cucumber. <laughs> Doesn't quite work the same way, does it? Loch Lomond 
is Mountain Lakes Get You Drunk on Dreams. Mountain Lakes Get You Drunk on Dreams. Uh, Knightsbridge, a place filled with things to attract yuppies and fashionable ladies. I suppose that kind of, that kind of figures, doesn't it? And the Highland Games, Strongman Skirt Party. Strongman Skirt Party. Isn't it lovely? I wish I spoke Chinese. I've said that on countless occasions. It's never going to happen. I just want to go to... I want them to invent something so that you go to bed at night and you plug in a cassette recorder or whatever. Cassette recorder. And uh, you plug it. And when you wake up in the morning, you're speaking fluent Cantonese. That's what would make me fairly happy. Subject to the weather. Thomas says, it's so cold here. When we milk the cows, we got ice cream. Somebody just uh, sent me a text a moment ago and said that they, they tried diabetic ice cream. I've always said to people, don't touch anything with the word diabetic on it, especially in relationship to food. Uh, you know, there used to be, and you can probably still buy it, actually, diabetic chocolate and stuff like that. If you're going to have chocolate as a diabetic, have chocolate. Just don't have lots of it. That's the time it goes a little bit mad. But, you know, the diabetic chocolate, I mean, so many of them appear to act as, uh, as laxatives. Not exactly the best thing that you need. Uh, 84850, uk. It's more of your texts and emails. Uh, Kevin says, I remember taking Sarah, my first date, to the Blacksmith's Arms in Thornwood Common. It's now a tandoori restaurant. We sat holding hands in the snug. How many pubs have a snug? Or an inglenook? An inglenook. I used to work in a pub that had an ingle nook. In fact, actually, one of our houses that we had in Berkshire, we had an ingle nook. We didn't sit in it. We had, uh, had bookshelves either side of it. Sounds, be, uh, <laughs> it sounds quite posh, doesn't it? It wasn't really that, uh, that, that posh at all, but an ingle nook. Happy days sitting in a pub. I was watching the programme at the Queen's Castle the other day, and um, uh, they, they said to, to Prince Philip, because he decided to do a tour of the castle, they said, you know, could you take us to the farm shop? Was, was that your idea? Yeah, sort of my idea. I sort of came up with the idea of selling stuff from the estate. And so they, they, they set off on this, on this journey. And they come out of uh, a bit of the land from Windsor Castle. You go to the roundabout, you do a left, and then it's on the left there. It's very easy to find. And so he goes into the farm shop. And on the way there he goes, this, this pub, this pub here, it used to be called the sort of the ferret and pheasant. And now it's called the British Raj. He said, and it's an Indian restaurant. He said, how novel is that? And they went past and showed you this. Because so many pubs have turned themselves either into Thai restaurants or Indian restaurants. It's very unusual to find pubs nowadays that can actually make money. They've really got to work at it. It's not, it's not easy. So, Kevin, uh, no pubs have snugs anymore. They don't seem to have... There's no soul. Barmy Arms has got kind of a snug. whole pub is a snug. It's so small. It's so tight. That's why people sit outside it. Because if you were sitting in... Uh, it's sort of inside. There's about room. You could pro- actually, you could probably get about fifty people in there. That would be uh, would be hanging on to each other. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc.co.uk, and uh, we shall weave everything in on the program. Every single thing is read out. We don't miss anything out at all. Thomas says um, LBC could send these people to do community work in Auschwitz. The people who desecrated the graves, and uh, it's generally. Uh, people who do things like that from ignorance. Well, they're thick. Absolutely thick. Absolutely thick. Uh, 84850, steve at Mick thinks uh, I should be in charge of the laws. I'm afraid that not, not really. I'm hang'em and flog'em brigade. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, all this, you know, somebody turns off their lights in the fast lane on a motorway, the ultimately stupid person today. I mean, I'd have them taken off the road for the rest of their life. None of this 18-month ban. I'd have sent them to prison. Six months in prison and uh, a lifetime ban from the roads. It's as simple as that. I think if you're caught drink driving, 
I think that's instant disqualification for minimum 10 years. That'll start solving a few problems on the road, wouldn't it? We'd have sort of less people out there. There is the picture uh, on camera. There's cameras everywhere. Everywhere's got cameras nowadays. And this is... uh, uh, this man is a retired cameraman who once worked with Richard Attenborough. He's 93. Stanley Evans was knocked to the uh, the floor. Uh, this uh, man who hangs around the area in Soho in London, he let his attacker into the tower block. Uh, then he was left flailing like a seal. He said, I've gone past anger. I'm frustrated. If I ever came across that one again, I was a boxer and aggressive. If somebody punches me, I punch them back. He worked on all sorts of films, he said, but uh, after this ordeal, he was knocked to the floor by a robber. Uh, who's clearly identifiable in these uh, pictures, who then hits him, grabs his uh, wallet and calmly walks away. Uh, Luckily, because there are cameras there and they've got a perfect picture of him. He says, I'm glad I live in Soho, despite men like him. Yes, well, don't worry, because he will be going to prison. The police at the moment are questioning somebody over this uh, over this assault. I mean, it is the most awful thing. A 93-year-old man, and he was robbed for £5, and this uh, this tow rag just wanders off. No, 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 you see, when, when you say I should be in charge of the laws, I'm afraid for that one it would be hanging. I'd have to introduce the uh, the death penalty again for certain people, just because, the, you know, you just think you just don't even deserve to be on this planet. You really, you really don't. You really don't. Uh, 84850, uh, A lot of people tell me about their, their dates in pubs now. But the worst thing is to go to Costa. And here is a lady called Janine Hughes. She went in and she bought a cup of coffee from Costa. And this is a cup of coffee in, uh, in the Swansea branch in South Wales. And she went in there and she, she bought a coffee. And uh, she... she she started drinking it, thought it had a bit of a funny taste. A bit of a taste of iron, she thought. Anyway, she lifted the lid on the takeaway cup and she found, what do you think? Fresh blood all over the inside of the lid. It turned out that the barista had apparently cut himself and was dripping all over the place, including inside the lids. She said, I was filled with horror. The IT worker rushed back to the Costa Coffee drive through complained to the manager, who was apologetic... I was given a new latte, but I had to report it. It was too serious to ignore. Uh, the manager of the branch in Swansea told Miss Hughes the employee who'd served her had a cut hand. Pfft. Hello? <coughs> anyway, the bleeding barista had gone to dress his wound while another staff member changed the lid. Miss Hughes from Swansea is now nervously awaiting a blood test result. I mean, God knows what he's got. A Costa Coffee spokesman said, Our area manager has apologised to Miss Hughes for the distress this has caused. It was an isolated incident. It will be if she turns out to have some horrible disease, pal. What, somebody's actually serving coffee who's dripping blood all over the place? Are the managers in there fit for purpose? Are they fit for purpose? Do they understand that we've got sort of certain regulations? You can't just drip blood into the lid. I wouldn't mind, but you look at the lid, don't you, when you hold it, because you're holding it, so it's, you're going to turn it over and put it... You must have seen the blood in there. And it dripped into her coffee. You poor girl. I think you should get huge amounts of compensation. I frankly would go into rehab. I'd, I'd have collapsed on the floor. There's blood in it. And imagine, oh, sorry about that. We'll just change that. What do you mean just change it? What do you mean just change it? Is that how they operate in Costa? That's kind of company policy, is it? Cool. Blimey. Definitely not. Definitely not, I'm afraid. Definitely not. Uh, 84850. Apparently, James says, I've uh, walked through the city... And I've noticed some, some of the buildings apply a high-pitched beep to deter, deter vagrants. 
Well, the trouble is there's so many, and there's so many who are, who are alcoholics and so many who are drug addicts that it's quite dangerous out there, quite dangerous. We had somebody sleeping in our car park and, and using it as a toilet. So we had to get rid of him very quickly. And I did. I put the hose on him. Uh, Nicholas says the smoking ban ruined a lot of pubs. I'm not a smoker myself, but the sensible thing would have been to have a separate smoking room to give people a choice. Yes, I mean, I, I am inclined to agree that that smoking might have changed. Although, I'd, to be honest with you, I never wanted to sit in a pub. I liked being outside when I smoked. That was, I mean, donkey's years ago, obviously. And... Um, uh, people do stand outside pubs. And people stand outside buildings, though. People stand outside this building. Luckily, not right up by the uh, the front door, but sort of a little way away from it and have their, their cigarettes, because it's very addictive. So you're right, that might have affected a lot of pubs nowadays. Apart from the fact that, you know, it's so expensive to go out to a pub. It's not cheap anymore. Years ago, that's why people used to nurse pints. Well, the thing for the young people now is to, uh, is to, to neck back as many drinks as you can. And the moment that last orders bell used to be rung... And it does seem something from a from a long forgotten time, doesn't it? The uh, the the bell would ring for last orders, and immediately everybody rushes to the bar to get those uh, double vodka, uh, double whiskey, double double. Yeah, and everybody was doing that, weren't they? Deb says the Rising Sun in Berkhampstead is a fantastic pub. I, why why Berkhampstead comes into my uh, mind again? Because I know quite a lot of people who live in Berkhampstead. It's obviously the place to go if you've had a place in London. And then you decide to move out a little bit. It's just far enough out for the house prices to be realistic. I say realistic. It's, it's also, uh, you know, the, the kind of thing that... Um, so I've lost my thread, actually, on that one, I'm afraid. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that one. Berkhampstead, that's right. Somebody moved out there, and then uh, one of the guys in the office moved out there. Because you get, for the price of a flat in Richmond, he's now got a four-bedroom house with a garden. And everything, you know, detach. And you think, you get so much more out of town. The average price, I think, of a flat in London, what it is in the rest of the country, I've got no idea, is about £275,000. That's an average, an average price. Of course, I mean, prices go up in one part of Knightsbridge, posh area of London, a one-bedroom flat, £10 million. I know. It's, it's, you can't believe it, can you? You cannot believe prices like that. I was watching one of those Escape to the Sun programmes the other day, and there were two guys, known each other since school, and they decided they want sort of like um, a place they can escape to in Spain. So they picked a place that wasn't particularly popular with tourists, but there was a lot of cave dwelling going on. So the houses were part inside the mountain and part outside, and they got a three-bedroom house with an outside area, fully fitted kitchen, and... Beautifully done, seriously. And they paid £29,000 because the house prices have dropped so much over there. And it was on the market for 36000 but they got it for 29000 including fully fitted kitchen and bathroom and everything else. And it was a big shower room in there. One of the rooms was a complete shower. And it was the same temperature all year round because it was part inside the mountain. And I thought, and, that's, and they were going to invite their mates to go out there and they could have parties and everything else. And it was, you know, they didn't, the, the, the town had bars and stuff like that. But they were, they were enjoying the fact you get a lot for your money. Just got to shop around a little bit. LBC News Time. It's now quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, uh, Shrove Tuesday today, being the 17th of February. It's the day where you shove everything in a pancake and we eat pancakes. Uh, it's to use, it's Lent, isn't it? It's to use up all the all the odds and sods and the bits and pieces. But then by Thursday, you can start stuffing your face again as we celebrate Chinese New Year. We've had the romantic side. We've had Valentine's Day. And there's a piece in the Daily Mail today on if you want to get the girl, 
Presumably it works uh, for getting the boy as well. Uh, let if you, if you want to get the girl, let her do the talking if you're on a date. And don't waffle on about your job. It's a bit difficult, really, isn't it? If somebody sort of says, so what do you do for a living? Go, um, nothing really special. I always say, if somebody says to me, what do you do for a living? I go, uh, media. Hoping that they then don't ask anything else. And, of course, they do, oh, what, what are you in newspapers? No. Oh, but what, do you, do you do television? No. God, it's getting so embarrassing. You don't want to tell people what you do for a living, do you? Just in case you tell them what you do for a living, they go, oh, I've never heard you. So, so I tend to, tend to find it's easier not to actually say anything at all. So that's what it is. Do not waffle on about your job. They, they did a, a thousand speed dates. I don't know if you've ever done speed dating. That's where they, they used to be fairly big a few years back. I don't know if it's still done nowadays. Where you go to a pub or a venue and, uh, and you, you sit down in front of somebody and go, Hello, my name's Steve. I'm coming up 41. I'm uh, reasonably successful. You know, I'm solvent. I've got a few little savings and I'm not looking for anybody at all. And then they go, thank you, and they take you off, put a big cross on the list. Then you move around to the next table, and you go through the same spiel each and every time. Hopefully, at the end of the, uh, the thing, you click with somebody. I tend to find two bottles of Prosecco, you click with everybody. Yeah, have another drink? I love you. I really love you. So that's what it is. Don't talk about your job. So what else do you talk about if you're not going to talk about your job? Talk about stuff that's in the newspaper? I like the thing, it was, it was highlighted by Mags, talking about passwords. I've had to... Um, clean this up a little bit. Uh, so, she she puts this thing in. Uh, window, please enter your new password. So, she wrote under user cabbage. Windows then comes back with, sorry, the password must be more than eight characters. So, she put down boiled cabbage. <laughs> Windows comes back with, sorry, the password must contain one numerical character. So, she put down one boiled cabbage. Windows comes back with, sorry, the passport cannot have blank spaces. So she's put down 50 blooming boiled cabbages. Windows comes back with, sorry, the password must contain at least one uppercase character. So she's put 50 uppercase blooming boiled cabbages again. And back comes Window with, sorry, the password cannot use more than one uppercase character consecutively. And so it goes on until the very end. It's almost like, and it, it made me laugh because it contains so many rude words, I can't, I can't use it on the programme. It reminds me of the 12 days of Christmas, done as a series of letters, which you'll find on the internet. And it starts off, how charming, how charming, a partridge in a pear tree. I love you so much. And then it goes down, you know, now you've sent me the pipers piping, the cows are all over the... Oh, the nightmare. And in the end, I hate you, kind of thing. I'll see you in court. <laughs> Which is like, there's an advert on the television very similar to that at the moment. I can't remember what it's for. In the end, he says, I love you. And she goes, I'm seeing you in court. Get out my life. And so it goes on. The menopause can last up to 14 years, researchers have now warned. There's something to cheer you up this morning, ladies. They found on average half... Of the 1,500 women in a study had uncomfortable, often distressing symptoms for more than seven years. Seven years. See, men, we're very lucky that we don't get things like that. And so it might last long. They say it could last up to 14 years. God, that's the last thing you need, isn't it, really? Experts say greater efforts are needed to find ways of helping women because HRT, which eases the symptoms, is currently recommended from a maximum of five years. So if it's going to go on for seven years or even 14 years, what do you do? And the answer is they need to put some more money into it. They need to try and do some more research and try and alleviate the problems. I mean, who in God's name would be a woman in this day and age? Who on earth would be doing things like that? Rick says, um, 
I reckon there should be at least one smoking pub in every town. Every drinker and all the staff would either be smokers or not opposed to smoking. I think it's unfair to have people clustered outside in all weathers. Better if nobody smoked, but, you know, it's the way it goes. Well, I don't know, because that, uh, that one pub that had smoking would be very busy. I've seen various people. There was a couple of landlords in Blackpool, I think, where they tried to overcome it and uh, get around it. They just got taken to court and fined. And they, they thought they were being clever. They thought, oh, I'll, I'll do it. Nobody will find out about it. But the police did. And they did prosecute and they did get fined quite heavily. And uh, now, because we had that story, was it the other week on LBC, where they were saying we're going to ban smoking in cars. If you've got children in cars, we're running adverts on LBC, you know, with, with children saying, you know, I can be... Um, I can be affected by passive smoking, which, of course, you can. And so they're trying to ban it. The only argument I had against, whilst I think it's a good idea, but I'm, I'm a non-smoker, so, of course, it makes me sound a bit sanctimonious. And the, uh, the problem is that you're never, going to, you're never going to police it. There's not enough police out there to deal with stuff at the moment. They can't manage to find people without seatbelts. Perhaps we should equip cars with little little devices that transmit to the local police station or somebody like that if you're not wearing the seatbelt. And the police can check, you know, it goes into a... I don't know how it would work. They could do number plate recognition. They must be able to do, you know, everything else, mustn't they? Uh, Chukka Amuna yesterday refused five times to say Labour would hand back money if a donor was found to have used aggressive tax avoidance. Interesting. Somebody was saying to me earlier on that the BBC in their infinite wisdom, decided to put Jonathan Ross back on prime time. You can imagine that uh, Andrew Sachs and his family are, uh, you know, aggrieved by the whole thing. They obviously say that people there just don't care about us at all. No, they don't, I'm afraid, Mrs Sachs. They're not, uh, they're not remotely interested. But then Jonathan Ross uh, launched into a tirade on people who don't pay tax uh, on their saying. People who sort of do the you know, tax should be paying tax. So presumably we're not going to be seeing uh, Gary Barlow on the uh, on the SETI anytime soon, or Amazon, or any one of another number of uh, companies there. But uh, interestingly enough, the party's business spokesman, this is going back to Chuck Ramuna, dodged the question repeatedly by insisting he was not aware of any such donation, refused to rule out if Labour accepting the money, if it knew in advance the donor was aggressively avoiding tax, saying only that the party would think twice before saying yes. In other words, it doesn't actually answer a question. That's the trouble with these politicians, isn't it? They don't answer questions. You give them a question, they go round the houses. And you think, you know, come on, you're just an ordinary person. Believe you me, Chukaramuna, you are just an ordinary person. Uh, the, uh, what was the best thing that the Romans ever did for us? What was the best thing the Romans ever did for us? Leave, apparently. Leave. The best thing they ever did was leave. Although the Roman Empire is credited for roads, sanitation and medicine... Britain's had a longer life expectancy after it fell. Research on graves from 400 AD to 650 AD shows on average people lived two years longer after the Romans left to age 35 for women and into the 40s for men. Haven't things changed? Nowadays, you think with all the rubbish that we pump into our bodies and things like that, you know, we'd be living, uh, you know, less, but we're not. People are living much, much longer. And during the Roman times, average age, 35, 40s for the men. If you're a villa owner, no. But if you're part of the 97% of the rest, then yes, it might add a couple of years to your life. The research looked at grave sites in West Hesleton, which is a village in North Yorkshire. There's a picture of Cindy Crawford here. Um, she's actually posed for a magazine, Marie Claire, taken two years ago, this, this picture, and it was not airbrushed. 
not airbrushed at all, because you know that every picture that goes in every magazine, they are airbrushed within an inch of their life. In fact, uh, sometimes in OK Magazine, the so-called D-list celebrities are so airbrushed, they're unrecognisable. But this is Cindy Crawford, as you've never seen her before. 100% uh, non-retouched. Two years ago, before being altered, but when the natural version emerged on Twitter, it went viral. So, you know, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Somebody says, we've got no idea where the picture came from. But it's, it's not a great picture, but you will look at it. In fact, if we'd actually done it and put it on the LBC website and said, have a guess who this is, I reckon about 90% of you wouldn't actually guess at all. Here's a, a 13-year-old, six foot tall. She's beaten the bullies. It's always a good story, isn't it, to become a beauty queen. And by the time she's got her makeup on... I mean, she stands six foot tall at 13. What a frightening prospect. But they like tall models, ladies and gentlemen. And so she's it. She beat the bullies and she set up a campaign page on Facebook called Leave Them Alone to Help Others Beat Bullying. The trouble is everybody, everybody has been bullied at some point in their life. It's just, you know, fat, tall, thin, weedy, ginger, specky four eyes, sticky out ears. Everybody gets bullied. It's just the way people cope with it. So the NHS, I will come round to this in a moment. I seem to have moved away from it. I don't know why. Only because there is another story about the NHS. Uh, this one is giving condoms to pupils aged 13. The other is that they're paying agency ner- nurses £1,200 a minute. What? Oh, that can't be, can it? Oh, that must be overall. That's how much they've actually ended up paying. And uh, Andy Burnham, Labour's uh, minister, said the agency bill is going through the roof. We don't have enough nurses, do we, working in the NHS? So they go to the agencies and they can get the, uh, the agency nurses, but you've got to pay for it. Um, the crisis hit NHS. We'll come up again. I will do that story about the, uh, the condoms. And the man attacked in a cinema during the Fifty Shades film. It was Glasgow, incidentally. LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, the 17th of February. 80 mile an hour storms to hit Britain. Get ready, they say. There's another icy blast of winter on the way. I thought yesterday was quite cold, actually. I was quite surprised. Might have to wear a vest later on this week. The caveman's diet could cut the risk of early death. They were doing a pro- I turned on the television this morning and they're doing a programme uh, about uh, America and about people who have heart attacks and people who don't know they're having heart attacks and who end up having a heart attack, which can be fatal because we don't know the warning signs because we don't go to the doctors every time we get a chest pain or you're short of breath. You know, every time I get the, the slightest twinge, I'm off to the doctor straight away. I've paid into the system. I'm determined to get value for money. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. I think the entire department of, of travel this morning has gone completely round the bend. I went out there earlier on, and apparently Chris has baked a quiche. A, par- a quiche, if you please. I go through there, and one of my fellow workers said to me, do you like quiche? I thought it's an odd question, like coming up, you know, six o'clock in the morning. Do you like quiche? And I said, well, you know, I've been to Spain a few times. I've had paella. And uh, he said, what did he say? With goat's cheese and, some- and courgette or something, whatever it was. It sounded disgusting. And uh, I said, oh, that's nice. I said, so uh, Chris has sort of baked you this quiche. Made his pastry himself. He's obviously been watching the Great British Bake Off. And so he's, baked, he's brought it in, bless his heart, in a little Tupperware box. And, and it's sitting on the desk. And, and the, the person he brought it in for, Jim, is trying to give it away already. See, the trouble is, I can't eat anybody's food that they bring in. Because I want to see a hygiene certificate. 
I want to see that the local council have passed it. Because if, if, if you're making food at home and bringing it in, I need to check that you've been passed. Because you can't just start bringing food in. Otherwise, you know, I'd be bringing in food all the time. So I, I, never, I never eat anything that people bring in. It doesn't make me a bad person. It just means I'm still alive, I suppose, really. But uh, to bake a quiche, I've never heard of anybody baking a quiche and eating it at this time of the morning. Uh, there was another story I was going to do. This sex education story, which I'm sure later on today... John Stapleton will be talking about children receiving compulsory sex education lessons in primary school, including lessons about sexting and Internet porn. Sexting is where you uh, text, I believe. It's all very strange. I mean, it certainly didn't happen in my day because we didn't have mobile phones. But uh, things, as they say, have changed a little bit. And now you get people who are sort of doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things on the on the Internet and uh, and on their telephones as well. But whether or not... Uh, primary school children need to know about these things at an early age. I don't know. If I was given the choice, I'd probably say they should know about it. But um, I'm not sure you could talk about it on the radio, really. It just seems slightly odd, doesn't it? Uh, 84850, Michael, the producer, says... Uh, oh, I've lost it. Uh, he says, uh, not sure about this at all. He says here... Uh, rancid old dirty quiche. I'd rather a flan any day of the week. I know, in fact, but he's brought it in in a Tupperware box, Michael. I mean, it's just bizarre. I've never heard of somebody doing that and bringing in a quiche. I'd rather he brought in sausage rolls. I like sausage rolls better. Although, if I was going to be going for food anywhere, Scott Richardson, uh, apart from, you know, working in uh, in the media, uh, also looks after a pub. I suppose you've got to you should have cut your losses on this one. But actually, he's actually, uh, he's lucky. Uh, this one here, the King's Head in Y, because they're up for a Taste of Kent Award, which is good. Uh, it's all about food and using locally sourced. Yes, I agree with you. It is, absolutely. Because I think, you know, if you've got something going for you, you know, and you can do locally sourced food and it's good and it's at the right price, then you, you know, then you want to go to something like that. You know, where I am in Twickenham, we do have a lot of pubs, unfortunately a lot of closed due to lack of business, because there's, there's a limit to how many people want to go to the pub every night of the week. And if you look out the door and it's miserable and wet and overcast, you don't want to go out, do you? You don't think, oh, I'll put my raincoat on and go down the pub. If you live next door to it, that's absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. Uh, Anne is from Leeds and obviously only just woken up, which is absolutely disgraceful. You should be awake long before this. We have to start at four o'clock every morning. You can podcast the programme. And we have a free podcast where we gently chide celebrities. Talking of that, I have a book as well, which is uh, available on Amazon. I think it's available in foils at a discount, Waterstones. And uh, a number of LBC presenters have got books out at the moment. Mine's the lightweight one. Mine's the one which is entitled So You Want to Be a Celebrity. And it's all about celebrity culture. It's all about how you really... I mean, it's, I suppose it's... Um, it's a template for people who want to get in to being a celebrity. And that's what kids seem to want to do nowadays. And it's got the pitfalls, the whys, the wherefores, what you have to do, where you go. How much could you earn? All these questions, you know. And, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't study at school and try and get some sort of qualifications. But nowadays, you know, there are other routes into getting what you want. And that's why you open up the papers. And they're full of people you've never even heard of. Because they've either been on a reality show or they've done something stupid or they've come up with some stupid stupid comment it doesn't matter what it is or they've had a column in a newspaper so you can go from being famous to being infamous so so you want to be a celebrity by steve allen is available now you do get a pretty picture of me and i have to be honest it's not i've not been retouched at all not for years uh 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk i was going to bring you the weather but you know it's going to be wet don't you 
Um, reference at Burke Hampstead, says Liz. I live two minutes from Burke Hampstead. Uh, it's a local area for shopping, coffee and meals out. You're slightly misled with the house prices in Burko, as it's nicknamed. They're currently selling newly developed apartment in Burke Hampstead, 500,000. One of the most sought-after places to love in the south of England. It's a bit far out for me, though, isn't it? I don't think, I'd, I, don't think I want to live that far out. I'd like to be sort of... I'd like to be a little bit... You know, I, liked, I like living near a railway station so I can actually get into town fairly quickly. I can get into Waterloo if I do a fast train in around about 17, 18 minutes, I think, which is, uh, which is really good. I think that's great. There's a cool-headed policeman who's become an online star. Why? Um, his name is Richard Allen. No relation. Uh, and he's based down in... Where is he? He's somewhere in Estover, which is uh, Plymouth. And... Um, He's, he's surrounded by a group of yobs. Let's just call them yobs, or as I prefer to call them, the remedial people of limited intelligence. They'll never amount to anything in their life. They're doomed because their parents are like it and the whole family's like it. And uh, he, get a, he got a torrent of abuse and it went up on, on YouTube. Uh, he keeps calm and refuses to rise to the bait. He's called everything. I mean, every name under the sun. And what policemen are trained to do doesn't work for all of them, but it certainly works in his case, is they just have to sort of, you know, He's been called everything. I mean, if you look at this this, uh, this YouTube clip, it's just dreadful. And you can see the yob who did it. He's ugly as well. It probably runs in the family. And uh, it was at a bus stop, as one of PC Allen's colleagues carried out a search, explaining why he didn't arrest the youth. PC Allen said, I didn't want the situation to escalate. It could potentially turn into a fight between six people. We knew the person filming the incident, so we wanted to visit him another time when there were less people around and things were calmer. And, uh, you know, people have said... You know, he's, he showed such restraint in the face of vile provocation. I've seen it. Little, little nobodies. Little nobodies who, you know, they don't have any money. They thieve. They rob. They drink. They do drugs. You know, they're going to amount to nothing. They're going to be dead by the middle 20s. Or failing that, they're going to be in prison. But this man is going to rise through the ranks and be a star because he's able to keep his cool in the face. I mean, he's called every name under the sun on YouTube. And you think, you know, I don't think people should have to put up with it. If it was me, I'd want to be blessed with magical powers. I'd want to just point a finger and they vanish in a puff of smoke. Oh, look, your friend's gone. Uh, the other one's gone. You know, that'd be quite good. Perhaps we'd get a phaser or something like that. Or a taser. Uh, there's a man here, Colin Pollard. He's in the paper. He was dry- driving a Renault Laguna. He managed to get it up to 118 miles an hour. A bit of a miracle on that one. He's been jailed for a year because he was driving on the wrong side of the road and roundabouts. And on the M3. Police eventually crashed into him. And uh, so we've sent him off to prison. Best place for him. Too many of these people out there. I see in London, I see it all the time, people jumping red lights. In fact, not even jumping red lights. They just, they just blatantly don't stop for lights. The police could probably have their hands full every second of the day. Do you dim some? I only ask if you dim some. Some people do, because Thursday's Chinese New Year, and uh, you can celebrate with, uh, with dim sum. Lots of little things or little baskets, which is quite nice, you know, if you like that kind of thing. I, I personally prefer the sweet and sour chicken, uh, the crispy pork. I like, what else do I like? I just like everything, actually. <laughs> Not much I don't like. And, of course, whenever you go Chinese, you've got to have crispy duck, isn't it? Do you think the Chinese invented crispy duck? Do you think it was their idea of getting a duck and sort of crisping it up and then... Um, and then giving you hoisin sauce and little pancakes and cut up cucumber and little spring onions. And we sit there. Like, not me. I dispense with the pancakes and just eat the duck. I just eat crispy duck. You know, I don't want to start wrapping. That's a, so pretentious. Wrapping it up. Oh, we do this and that. And the first time we went to a restaurant, somebody had to show us how to do it. You know, you put at first, you put a bit of hoisin sauce on, or you can do it the other way around. Then you lay out the duck and then you put a bit of this and that on. You think, for goodness sake, it's a duck. 
The whole ones are terribly expensive. Terribly expensive. 6.15. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is uh, the time. Uh, Trish, says Andrew in Shepherd's Bush, brought a bread pudding into the office the other day. I'm the same as you. I'm the only one in the office who didn't touch it. So I'm expecting to arrive to an empty office this morning. <laughs> I predict that key shall be there for the, for the rest of the day. And uh, and somebody says, when you were talking about that man who parked his van on the hard shoulder of the fast lane and went to sleep and then the police set up a rolling roadblock, what's that? It's where they slow the traffic right down. They sl- So the police cars go in front of the traffic, put their lights on, and they slow it right down so they can move the car. So it's a rolling roadblock. So it, it's going for a couple of miles I think, and uh, that gives them a time to get the van to the side of the road and then the police cars can speed up and then everybody else speeds up. But they keep it going because they don't want it uh, just to grind to a halt. Can't imagine there would have been that much traffic up there in Stirling. Uh, What's the new big food trend, apart from Chinese food on Thursday for the Chinese New Year and dim sum and all the restaurants will be offering? uh, I tell you what's lovely, mooncake, just the smell of it just drives me crackers. And uh, I was very kindly sent some. I'm going to go and buy some in Soho this this week, I'm going to go and buy some mooncake. But it used to come wrapped in this... Pe- There's something about the wrapping in China. I, I can't really describe it. But everything's got a smell to it. There's so many smells. And mooncake's lovely. It was absolutely lovely. And I, I just... I, so I've got to go and buy some. I didn't have any last year, but a couple of years ago, somebody sent me some over from China. It was beautifully wrapped. Seriously, with all sort of stamps all over the paper and everything. No, the big food trend at the moment, and I'm not kidding, Goat goat. More than 70% of the world are eating goat. Sorry, it's been slightly queasy, because I'm not into goat at all. But I know that uh, as part of Jamaican cuisine, you can have curried goat, which is very popular. Uh, there is a place in uh, in Mayfair where they push the Indian boundaries. It's called Gymkhana. I suppose, you know, you've, you've, you've seen the action, now you can eat the cast. And they've got kid goat metikima. Served with soft buns to pile the mince into, and you can add brains for three pounds. <laughs> Not doing my stomach any good this morning. Uh, Hartnett Holder and Co. in Lindhurst, that's in the New Forest. They do it there. They do a goat broth with pearl barley and a smokehouse dumpling. Not selling it to me. And uh, the other, <laughs> the other one here, which makes me even more queasy, is in Bristol, the Flinty Red. A relaxed wine-focused spot is currently serving seared kid with wintry accompaniments of kale, red cabbage and walnuts. Oh, dear. Not for me, I'm afraid. I don't know why. But apparently it's, uh, you can braise the shoulders and then pull them off. You can add different flavours, says one of the chefs here. You let it cook long and slow and it falls off the bone. Oh, no. How long before we have kitten restaurants over here? If we're eating goat, can't be too long before dog and, and kitten and everything else, or snake or something like that. Goat. I'm sure some people absolutely love it. Sam in uh, Euston Square, thank you very much indeed. And uh, who else has just bought the book? A bit excited, actually. It means we sold three copies already. So, I mean, <laughs> how good is my day going? Oh, Scott's bought a copy. He says, um, I'll just have a read, then we'll put it into the pub. Good, isn't it? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I'm going to have to bring you the weather, because I've just realised yesterday I told you about the weather, and I did say to you that, you know, take an umbrella... Because if it does get uh, very wet, then at least you're going to be the one who is dry. And today, uh, not any rain at all, but it will feel pleasant in light winds. Lingering cloud across Kent, soon clearing, then dry and sunny. So it's a widespread frost, they say. I didn't think it was cold enough for a widespread frost. Uh, Tonight, remaining clear and dry much of the night. Turning cold with a frost forming, becoming cloudier from the west towards the end of the night. And then tomorrow, dry and bright. 
turning cloudier with sunny spells in the afternoon, becoming quite breezy. And it's Thursday, you get the rain later on. Friday, probably less windy, but rather cloudy with further rain at times. Saturday, cold and breezy, sunny spells, isolated showers. It's not very exciting, is it? Not very exciting at all. Front pages of the uh, papers. These are the papers you're going to be buying a little bit later on today, or not, as the case may be, depending on how you are about buying papers. Uh, The Mirror, conspicuously recoupling. This is Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow. It does look as though they're back together. It does. I mean, I don't want to jump. I personally couldn't care less either way. But um, they are, they're a bit touchy-feely. Now, whether or not they're doing it for the sake of the, the kids, I've got no idea. Uh, the hospitals, the crisis hit NHS, paying £1,200 a minute on agency nurses. As somebody said, why, why, not, why are we not training up more nurses? Well, that's a very good argument, I think. Uh, Paul McCartney serenaded a 1,000 fans during an intimate Valentine's Day concert. The Beatles legend announced the impromptu gig at Irving Plaza and charged just £26 on a first-come, first-served basis. Took to the stage at 11 p.m. and did two hours he did you know we can work it out hey jude lady madonna i was in the car the other day with a friend of mine and we were playing beatles tunes and he said there is no doubt in his mind and my mind as well that they wrote some of the best pieces of music ever you listen to them you listen to the orchestrations they had no experience of doing orchestrations they had no experience of doing anything at all like that and yet you know they um they sort of turned out these fantastic songs. Yes, I totally agree, Michael. Andy would never attempt to bring in a quiche. A quiche, I ask you. Who's I mean, I promise you it'll be sitting there by the end of the day. Somebody would go, would anybody like some quiche? And they'd be going, uh, don't think so. No, we'll just sort of kind of leave it there. Uh, well done to Paul McCartney. Well done to Paul McCartney. Uh, the Sun. Uh, the telly duo can't picture Miliband as the Prime Minister. So they better go for them. This is Anton Deck. Uh, the reason they're getting publicity is because they have a new show starting this Saturday on the television and they want to try and get uh, as many people watching as possible. Sean Penn and a load of other people at the Gunman premiere. I recognise a few faces here. Children getting compulsory sex education in primary school. I can't remember. I don't think at my school we had sex education. I think all of ours was to do with flowers. It was all flowers and how they sort of, you know, mated and how this happened, sticky stamens and everything else. For ages, I couldn't walk past a florist shop. It's like after Fifty Shades, you can't go through B&Q, can you? Every time I see a roll of duct tape or any of those plastic ties, I feel somewhat queasy. Uh, Fit and healthy, you could still have a heart attack, say the Daily Mail. And the underage teens handed contraceptive credit cards by schools, libraries and chemists. You can get them, condoms, uh, for the age of 13. I'm telling you, around my way, you can get them much younger than that. They'll, I'm sure, happily hand out to uh, 11 and 12-year-olds. That's it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. It's been, uh, it's been a privilege and a pleasure. We'll do it again tomorrow morning. We, uh, we have the opportunity for you to listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like. There's an LBC app or there's TuneIn Radio 2. And if you missed any of today's show, there's our podcast service. I'll have a free podcast for you in about 15, 20 minutes. And that's where we, we gently laugh at a few celebrities. I say celebrities. They're just names.